to all our many, many listeners. We're, we're very happy you could join us for a, a very special episode today. <laughs> our first episode of Virgin Sacrifice, where we will be discussing the movie The Babadook. We have with us here our friend Steve, who has not seen a horror movie since he saw Signs in theatres. And has been actively avoiding them. That was since in like then. 1956. That was quite like some time. That. It was yeah, quite a while. We were just a babe in arms, I'm sure. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> when he saw it, and um, yeah, so we really appreciate him doing that. He's a very big, brave boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of fun watching this movie, and are excited to get into it. This is definitely a movie we would have covered no matter what, because in addition to being one of my favorite modern horror movies, mm-hmm. it also has a lot of mental health stuff going on. Yeah, for sure. It's like dripping in mental health stuff. And it's definitely a modern classic. And like in Scream 5, remember in the opening part of Scream 5 that they're like, she's talking about yeah. horror movies. and uh, they give it a nod? Well, because uh, she goes like, yeah, I actually like elevated horror. And she mentions it as one of them. <laughs> okay, and elevated horror is a word that we really don't like. Um, but also... That's a word you're not allowed to say on I, this Yeah, I, words I don't even know. So basically... Oh, yeah, describe the concept Basically, the theory being that horror is kind of a, a lower, it's like a lower genre. That people of might movie. look down their nose at horror okay. as a genre. Right. Yeah, that people would think it didn't have much substance. But then when a movie comes along that's a horror movie, and like you can't deny that it's a horror movie, but it has a lot of like emotional weight or it's really well written or something, mm-hmm. someone will call it like elevated horror. And so it's kind of like, although it's a compliment to the movie, it's kind of a. Uh, it's an insult to the genre. It's okay. it's people going like, oh, this horror movie is really good. It, can't, actually, it can't be a horror movie. Then. Right. It has to be in a different category is what good. they're saying. Yeah. So, so like the 80s slasher horror film, not an elevated horror? Exactly. Those okay. would not exactly. be, okay. no. Right. No, but I mean, they're much beloved by horror fans and they kind of, like, you cannot tease that stuff out of the genre. Or right. like another <clears throat> definition that people sometimes put on things that are absolutely horror movies when they want to pretend it's something else is psychological thriller. Okay, because yes. why yes. is Silence like of Silence of the Lambs or Seven, mm-hmm. why are they not horror movies? Because they're pretty fucking scary. And, and there's lots of gore. They're very and, sorted. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And there's pretty scary stuff. Like if you break it down and you're like, okay, this is a movie about a serial killer. There's tons of gore. Mm-hmm. There's this cannibal guy. If you said that to someone, they'd be like, that sounds like an elevated Oscar winning yes. psychological thriller. And it would, you know, if you do include Silence of the Lambs, which we do, I would love be to cover that. a very rare Oscar winner for yeah. horror movies, right? Like it's hard mm-hmm. to, did it win the best picture? Or, I mean, did, or did Anthony Hopkins get best I think actor? it might be best picture actually. But there's and there's some horror movies that win for other stuff like the fly one for like best makeup and shit like no that. No kidding, yeah. Because it had crazy makeup. Yeah. So the Babadook. Yeah, so I, I was just a little curious, like, what was it like for you in terms of when we decided when we decided, okay, yes, we are gonna do this and then in the lead up to watching the movie and stuff, like what were your thoughts? I was anxious, about? absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, knowing it was coming was something to really uh, to really look forward to. Mm. In an were anxious you, kind of way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like like my palms, my palms are sweating it? again now, just <laughs> thinking about the experience. Um, maybe dreading it a little bit, just because I I've always assumed with being up all night, being scared of a horror movie, right? The last right. one I saw when I was younger, which like still gives me that feeling when I think about it, right? So. And how did you feel after? Were you up all night? That kind of thing. Um, I was certainly thinking about it a lot, but it wasn't. 
maybe keeping me awake a little bit mm-hmm. the first night, but after that, it was kind of just like, okay, like, I did that. That was a thing that I oh, did. Good. Yeah. You felt nice. proud of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we felt proud of you too, and I remember you texting me, I think it was that morning, and I let Jenna know, and you text me, and you're like, I just watched the trailer, and I think I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I had nothing, like, I had no input besides a friend that I work with when I told him what I was going to be doing. He said, oh, you should watch this movie, The Babadook. And he didn't know of the options that you guys had given me. So I said, okay, perfect. That's, I don't need anything else besides that. So I didn't know what it was about going into mm-hmm. it besides the morning of when, like I said, I watched the, the short trailer and was right. terrified. That can be a really fun way to watch movies when you know absolutely nothing mm-hmm. about it going mm-hmm. in. Like we recently watched a movie called Barbarian, which, oh, yeah. which really... Uh, you get a lot out of it, more out of it, if you know not a damn thing about mm-hmm. it, and we didn't, and it was so friggin' good. Cool. Yeah. Took Sometimes it helps, Took but it's hard. It's hard to do if it's a new, if it's a newer movie, and there are trailers just out like right. on Twitter or whatever. So watching something like The Babadook or The Ring or whatever else we're gonna watch is good because unless you seek it out, you're not gonna know a thing about it. No, really. absolutely not. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm sure you're not gonna go seeking it out. So. No. There you go, problem solved. No, so, I'll, I'll change the channel like when horror movie mm. previews come on. I'll find something else. But like that feeling of it's still kind of sticking with you after. Even mm. even like watching them all the time. And mm. actually like I watch them probably more consistently than any other genre. Because it's like once wow. a week or I'll be like, I'll seek one out to watch. I don't ever seek out a drama to watch. But it still can stick with you. Like I watched... By myself one time my husband was out of town or somewhere i watched mm-hmm. the blair witch project by myself and that was one that i it was a classic that i hadn't seen mm-hmm. but i was like i know all the beats of it like and did not think it was going to be too scary to watch in the house by myself because i kind of felt like i knew it but i was very probably the most scared i remember being in a horror movie wow. and maybe it was the setting of being in my home also oh. it's a good like you don't need to see it on a big screen it's perfect on a mm-hmm. tv in nice. your own room some of them are good are better on a big screen. But yeah, so even still watching them pretty regularly. Okay. That one kept me up. Really? <laughs> yeah, had a hard time sleeping. Remember when we first watched Caveat? Yeah. And that was a really scary movie. And when I was going to bed, like where where the bed was that particular time, my view <laughs> as I was laying in bed was like right down a hallway and, and through a door and there was like a wall I was looking at. And the thought kept popping in of, like, remember when she, like, ducks her head around and, yeah. and looks at the guy? And she gets, like, lit up by his, like, flashlight <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And her bobs, like, doing half the acting for her. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I was scared. <laughs> it, context is very important. Mm-hmm. And when you watch it with a group, it can take the sting off it. Oh, yeah. But sometimes you also, so one of the things we talked about, which is kind of related to mental health, too, was safety behaviors. <laughs> so when you are anxious, you engage in a safety behavior when you do something to like take the sting off of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be like if I were anxious and I was at a party and I kept looking at my phone and like maybe I'm just playing with the calculator on my phone, right. but it's like for some reason it gives me a bit of a protective barrier where, oh, that guy's not out of place. He's doing something. He's Absolutely. busy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So with, you know, we've watched horror movies with some people and they're like, it wasn't even scary, but they were like on their phone yeah. like, the whole time. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, guys, they set, they set the groundwork. Like I, yeah. phones are off. We had the lights, yeah. like the lights were off as well. Was, music was nice and loud. It was, yeah. Absolutely. It we makes were a in difference the garage. To the experience. It was good. Especially oh, it's so much more immersive, right? Yeah. 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 So it was, that one went really well. And we actually gave Steve, um, well, we said, hey, would you be interested in this? I said, you know, I, I kind of 
out of the blue asked you why don't you like horror movies and you said I don't like being scared no. and I thought well shit <laughs> but I was like oh well you know Jenna and I were kind of thinking about this bit where we could watch a movie with someone who doesn't watch them and call it Virgin Sacrifice and if it's you for know, a bit I'm in there you go exactly <laughs> of course. I was thinking then okay we'll do like Jason Takes Manhattan. It's a real movie. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, Come on. But most of it takes place on a boat and not well, actually in Manhattan. Way, on its way to Manhattan, yes. Like, is this recent or is this... No, it's like in the middle of like the Jason like saga, which took place mostly between the 80s and 90s. Right? Yeah. That sounds like it could also be like a Muppet movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with a few changes, yeah. it could. Jeez. Except for all the people he kills on the boat. Didn't Muppets take Manhattan well, too? I think is it that like I think, I think it's Jason <laughs> takes the box. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you're thinking of. That's the t- that's the sub tagline of that movie. No, um, but no. Steve said no. I want to watch something super scary. So we gave him a list with the Descent, the Ring, oh, and the Babadook. Mm-hmm. What what of the list do you think is the scariest one? I would say the scariest to me is the Ring. But again, the scariest to me the is the Descent. Is important. God, the descent well, scary. Well, that one sounded terrifying when, when I looked up the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. after you start before. with spelunking, which is fucking scary. scary, scary. And then you <laughs> make best it day, scary. Best day ever, terrifying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The documentaries about spelunking yeah. are scary. It makes me feel claustrophobic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we couldn't have gone wrong, and we ended up with the Babadook. So we're going to go through it yeah, as we usually do. So yeah, I did have a chance to rewatch it again recently, which... We, we decided not to make Steve watch it again on his own to take notes, so... <laughs> you, honor yeah. system, you have to. You have to watch it by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when, when it's first starting, we get that kind of... It's like a surreal scene mm-hmm. where she's kind of spinning around and bits and pieces of the car crash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really efficient, lean storytelling mm-hmm. because the movie's not super long. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah. And they were able to establish like kind of a whole bunch in that one scene. You know what I mean? And as she's kind of going down, it's weird because I didn't notice, but... Because doesn't she fall into her bed, like... Yeah, and she's all spindly arms, mm-hmm. like noodle arms. And the lampshades on either side of her bed actually look like eyeballs. Oh, I thought you were going to say they look like headlights. I couldn't really remember. Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah. I saw them like eyes, but yeah. That was a pretty cool scene, and right away, Samuel is waking her up. Mm-hmm. So screaming at her and all that a lot stuff. Of screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the movie once you know how it goes and everything, you should feel bad for Sam. Mm-hmm. But they were super effective in making just an annoying kid. And also oh, making you worry that there's something wrong with, with him. him. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? But on rewatch. Or maybe on a very he was observant, right the whole time. Or on a very he was, observant yeah. first watch. <laughs> right. From the get go. He yeah. was just literally trying to, in his mind, save his mom's literal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they show almost immediately, like, again, really quick, efficient storytelling because the next scene, she's checking the cabinet under the bed. Because he's, like, too scared can... to sleep, so she's checking all the scary spots, like monster spots. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and you can tell it's happened many times before. It's a bedtime Do, routine thing, yeah. Yep, and then reading the book, and then <laughs> it's that scene where they're sleeping, and he's, like, Choking her <laughs> and grinding his over teeth. the top, grinding his teeth and like kicking her and stuff. Already, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, did you have a spot that you felt like there were monsters when you were a kid that you can remember? Did you have a scary spot in your room? I don't. I wasn't so much worried about monsters. I was worried about like home invasion. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I was okay. more of a pragmatist. I think about that. 
Mm. Yeah, you were the first door. I thought that Gollum lived under my bed, specifically oh, Gollum lived under my bed. Yep. Yeah, to the point, and like, you know, when you're a little kid and you like make crafts at school for different events for your like parents, so you mm. make your mom something for Valentine's Day or whatever, I would be like hiding it until the day to give it to them. But then I'd be like, I can't hide it under my bed because that's where Gollum Gollum's lives. Take it. And it, yeah, it wasn't like that bad. I was just like, oh, right. Don't put it under there because of Gollum. <laughs> the setup of that, I thought you were going to say you like every time I you had to do that. You made like That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking it's an offering for the Gollum. An offering. And I just had to like, I had all these little Gollum trinkets under my bed. Yeah. You're like, well, if I make something for mom, then I got to make something for Gollum too. <laughs> like, watch this. And then Gollum's hand just comes and grabs yeah, the card. Like, and what about you, Steve? Because you're not the you're not the oldest either. But were you kind of worried at home when you were a little kid? Do you remember any of that? I don't think I was in, like a monster under the bed, kind of scared. Mm-hmm. I do I do remember at one point when I was little having a hard time and like just like crying at night. But I don't know right. what trying to. That was a long time ago to try to figure out what would have been causing that. One. <laughs> Let's unpack I mean, that. Maybe your parents yeah. beat you. you yeah. That's, that's, what what that's what it was. That's what it was. Yep. Now that you mentioned, the podcast takes a turn. No, no monsters under the bed. Yeah, I remember. Like, I was never so scared of the supernatural, uh, which is one of the reasons I think I really love horror movies. Like, if I, me too. If I had a thought in my head that any of this could happen, mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot more potently scary. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if you watched a, like a ghost movie and you're like, oh, that is a possibility, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, a home invasion movie, that's a possibility. Yep. So that's that category of horror is still open to you in all of its horrors. But, yeah, I, I feel the same that I'm like... So, yeah, like, I think, like, if I had the sense that, you know, a ghost could be around any corner, then I'd be a lot more scared of these movies that's, than I am. That's the reason that my husband doesn't watch horror movies is because he says, like, the idea of horror movies that have a villain that you can't possibly fight against because it's a supernatural, like, mm. entity. Yeah. So, like, the Babadook would fall under that, that you can't fight it. Because you can't really beat it. Yeah, it's something outside. Like, if it was, like, a human being, he'd be like, no problem. I'll get my baseball. I'll get my, I'll get my baseball bat or my axe. No, he'll get his baseball. I thought he threw baseballs. He does throw baseball. <laughs> he does rapid fire. He's got baseball. heaters. Yeah, he does. But I have, I said to the guys the other day, and Steve was there, like, the concept of a ghost is pretty scary. But, like, it's like a Victorian boy ghost is scary. But if they were making ghosts all the time, then there'd be like a ghost from the eighties. Yeah, some, some guy with like rad a rad ghost. With like rad a yeah. yeah, he's got like a thick mustache and like a sweet oh, mullet and stuff. Like, and it's like, is that scary? Oh, right? He's got his like purple and blue windbreaker and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. And I'm like, that would just be different. Or like a guy from 2015. Yeah, just yeah. looks like like, <laughs> looks like oh. one of our dads from the eighties. Like that's not a scary <laughs> yeah. ghost. The dad's a modern ghost in this. In the that's project. true, but he's not scary. No, he's not scary. At one point he says, bring me the boy. When he changes his voice. Yeah, okay. Scary is a relative term, guys. He's, he's. Yeah. You guys are veterans. Steve Steve was like, there's a ghost. (laughs) Oh, no. So, again, I think they're doing a lot of storytelling really quickly with Sam because he's downstairs making a racket. They're already establishing, like, mom can't ever sleep. And yeah, that's he's a big making, part of it. Takes a lot out of you. That's Sleep a huge part of it. It's a big part of this movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like I, I, it's pretty clear that this is a movie that, in a big way, is about insomnia, right? Yeah. Lack of sleep and just what it can do to a person. Not that this is a realistic story, but you know the ways that sleep can impact you. And from from my perspective, working uh, in inpatient psychiatry, it's really amazing what lack of sleep can do to you because I have found 
in the summers especially, we have a few admissions which look kind of the same. And it's people driving cross country because where we live mm. happens to be kind of in the middle of the country and you might be driving through it and it's people trying to cover a lot of distance. And so they stay up, they drive for 18 hours or whatever it is. And then they start to have psychotic oh, wow. symptoms and they'll get admitted and it will resolve super fast. And it's because they were so sleep deprived. It's amazing what it can do. And sometimes that can be the heart of the problem and it's easily resolved because that's basically all it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, your brain needs the recovery time and if it doesn't get it, it can go haywire really quickly. Um, what did you guys think of Sam's weaponry that he made? He had like the backpack that like flew out, a bocce ball. Yeah. A bocce <laughs> ball. I think, he had like a straight up crossbow. I don't, okay, so the crossbow, the, the like Ghostbusters backpack that throws bocce balls. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like I would send someone home from school for that. Oh, no? If there was a bocce ball in it, I would. Well, but if it's just oh, well, the you thrower, mean if he just brought his backpack, sure. But like, well, no, not the backpack. If he brought the thrower thing, but if he put something softer in it. Okay. So like... Like a t-shirt gun. <laughs> yeah, so like, like a t-shirt can. bring the can. gun, just don't bring the bullets? Yeah. That's, okay. Well, that's what I think. Because then he hey, can just yeah. pistol whip something. <laughs> <laughs> There's the worst you can do. <laughs> True. But I think what he does... There's no ammunition is just like crossbow with a dart in it. <laughs> Was it a dart or was it a pencil that it would fire? Was it? it? Oh, no, I think at one point it was a dart that okay. I remember. It goes, at one point it goes right into a person. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was making, for a little kid who was scared of monsters, he was making some pretty sophisticated weaponry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like he's probably like a future engineer. So he's a genius. Maybe for the military. Yeah. He'd be an engineer of some kind. And they introduce also his obsession with that magician, which like, magicians oh, are creepy. That's, that's <laughs> I hate up magic. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, you know the part that I think it, it just um, shows a lot of like him and his mom just missing each other, just not being on the same page. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to do a sweet thing for her, but she just hears it as noise and gets annoyed by it. Yeah. Like when she's trying to get him ready for school and he's trying to show her a magic trick and he goes like, nothing in my hands, nothing in my hands. And she's just like not paying attention and then he gets frustrated and then she gets frustrated. I find that pretty sad to watch. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And he like rubs her face and that's uh, a nice interaction. But he then he hugs her, her too tight. Yeah. Yes, but then he oh, hugs her too tight yeah, and she gets her, like her triggered, cheek. right? How sweet is that? This is like a horror movie about... She doesn't get a second to herself. Yeah, this no. is like a horror movie about the horrors of sleep deprivation oh, it's and scary, grief yeah. and single motherhood. I'm mm -hmm. like, she's got nowhere to turn. She's mm -hmm. got no relief. It's just constant. She's so bogged down the whole movie. I'm just like, wait till oh we talk God. about her bitch of a sister. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to me, dump me on either. Claire. Claire. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was such a bitch. Yeah. Big bitch. Big, Big bitch. bitch. Oh, my God. So, yeah, again, really quickly, like, we only get a couple scenes in the old folks home. Which is another very draining job. Of course. Holy crap. Well, they show it. She's like, okay, I'm going to give you your Here's tea your with tea milk, just right? And like she's it. like, well, I don't like it like that. And she's like, probably like you did yesterday. That's, yeah. where, I first, that's where my real fear really, really set in is in that first scene where they were at the nursing home. Yeah. And like, I never watching horror movies, like, I don't know where any, like, mm. where any of the tropes are. I'm like, right. is this old lady going to turn into a demon? Are her, <laughs> like, I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. Like, is she going to drop the, like... Well, I'll tell you, one of the most common horror tropes is either creepy kids or creepy, creepy old people. Yeah. And it's almost kind of sad because one of the things that'll be like a scary jump scare in a movie will be like a naked old person. Yes, a horror. Like, ah, and it's like I mean, an elderly body. Sometimes <laughs> That's it, all it is, is jarring, but it's also like, look how monstrous. 
Yeah, that's that's something that's I, I think it's kind of trending up in horror movies. The uh, amount of times that it's just like make a grandma, make a grandma. Wow. It's like sudden unwanted naked grandma. Right. But those poor, that's just what happens to everyone's bodies if you're lucky enough to, to grow up. Yeah, to live that long, it'll happen to yours too. One of the things that I thought was really cool too, one thing that's clear, even though she loses her cool a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the part where she threatens him with a knife was too far, but she does try yeah. to maintain, yeah. you know, and like. One of the and first she things tries he to does, recover too. Yeah. Exactly. And one of the first things he does, he launches that bocce ball and it goes right through their window and she's just like, oh. <laughs> like she didn't even like, she wasn't like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like Very how she woke up, yeah. right? But yeah, the nursing home sad. She tries to play bocce with these old farts and... No, like, she tries to play bingo. <laughs> sorry, she tries to... I've got bocce... Bocce on, balls on the I've got my balls screwed up. <laughs> yeah. She's got... She's trying to play bingo with these old people. And you know what? Oh, A, I thought it was really cute. She had like a, a special nickname for everyone. Two fat She's ladies. Like, two fat ladies. I like that too. Oh, you ever gone to play bingo? Like they all, Is that they, all, they all do it. They oh, all have it. No way. I didn't recognize any of hers, but I've, I've been once, once or I have twice. no idea. Once or twice to play bingo. And yeah, they got all sorts of fun stuff. Oh, so that's that, everyone she's like, similar age. She yeah. pulls 11 and it's like, she's like a couple of legs and stuff. And then what she does and her boss is watching her and she doesn't know but she's like eight billion anyone got eight billion because no one's answering but it's like is that so bad her boss is like oh yeah she's like getting the axe oh, yeah. it's obviously it's very like sarcastic but did yeah. any of the old people did it bother them i don't think anyone no even and that's noticed, why she right? like what i got out of that is the way the reason that she did it is because no one was paying attention no one was listening to her so yeah. she knew like she said, well, I don't know when anyone's going to call out bingo because we, she probably had, like, most of the balls yeah. done already or something I, like that. I'll tell you what, when you're working with people in a, like, in that kind of a setting, you got to find something funny. So if you do something to make yourself laugh once in a while that's not at the expense of anyone else, ah, who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you do something to let off a little bit of steam, I feel like it doesn't matter. Especially because that is a that is a very tough job. Like, oh, it'd be and, so hard. Well, and then imagine doing that in Australia when you're never more than eight feet from a deadly spider the or, heat, the or heat, a capybara or the, something the like that. The kangaroos, you're dodging punches. You're punching, here punching there. kangaroos to Just get, get to work. Yeah. yeah. I actually have a friend who, as I said, who works in Australia, and she says that one of her patients that she was with recently had a an emotional support baby kangaroo. No, they didn't. Yes. Do you keep it in like a sack in front of you? I don't think that she treated it like her own baby. Okay, she was in the kangaroo's sack. That would be emotionally supportive. So that's weird to me though, because it's not like a dog. They're like a wild animal. Is it not like an Australian dog? No, it's like a, it's more like a deer. That'd be like having an emotional support deer. Okay. I had the impression that they were almost a little like, they got agitated easily and they well, could be violent. And they're they're big and strong. Mm -hmm. So it's like she said that this, got, was, like, this was a baby yeah, kangaroo. I've, I've seen them fight. <laughs> can you yeah, imagine they look you're in a hospital <laughs> and you're checking on your patient. You walk in and there's a kangaroo in there. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah. That's and, the sound it, it'd be like someone coming to can and be like, oh, this is my emotional support beaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be her. Oh, that'd be so cute. And they're just like, and she listens to this podcast, so I'm going to give her a thrill. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I can't believe that that happened. Um, you got to assume one of those old people had an emotional support kangaroo being in Australia. Almost a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> or like, yeah, like, uh, you know, what are the spiders that hide under a trap door? Like a trap door spider? spider? They might have oh, a trap door spider. Hey, 
Hey, it's in the name. Uh, what did you think? One of the things they introduced to is is the nice guy, the white knight type guy. Mm-hmm. Were you guys? Did you like him, or were you creeped out? Oh, a bit he was by so. Were you skeeved out by him at all? In it pretty briefly. I wasn't skeeved out. You did out. a few scenes. But I wasn't skeeved out, but I was disappointed because he shows up with the flowers and then sees mm. that she's got a lot going on in her life and he's like, he skedaddles dance. right yeah. out of there. He leaves a hymn-shaped hole in the door. Well, it doesn't show. She might have kicked him out. She might have said, like, sorry, we're dealing with all I got the impression because it shows his face like He's like, all. oh. Yeah. Well, he's, okay. So he comes in. Like, he says, oh, you know, first thing he says is, oh, a woman that looks like you finally know your place in the kitchen. Yeah, that like was a, a bit... It's a joke, and yeah. she takes it as a joke, too, but I was like, what are they doing with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Why is Wait, that... Are supposed to like him? Yeah, like yeah. Why is that one of his few lines of dialogue? Yeah, and then it's like almost immediately they start, and we'll get into this, one of the things we hate, they start making the waves at her work. So the lady, oh, like, God, very bitchily goes up to her, and she's like, Amelia! Your son's school's on the phone, blah, blah, blah. And then she's in the office with them, like, really fast, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure. I I don't know how the Australian school system might differ from ours. But what the administrator type guy is suggesting, he's like, you know, kids got serious behavior problems. We've already tried to talk to them. So, again, they established that it's clearly been happening, right? Mm -hmm. They say they want to assign him a monitor and have him, like, separate from the kids all day. And it was like, that's kind of hard to picture in a school. And as it stands, where you work in the school system, and we know people who work in the school system, the behaviors that Samuel has, do you think that they're a lot worse? Like, are kids with a lot more difficult problems? Well, he brought, like, he brought, like, the dark gun to school. That would be bad. We, as the audience, understand why he acts out aggressively sometimes, but they're going to mm-hmm. see, oh, he, he was aggressive again today. Mm-hmm. And maybe he is pushing kids around, punching maybe them. Maybe he is. Like, he does his, his cousin, right? Yeah. And, like, how long can you talk about monsters under the bed and now you're bringing weapons, too? Like... Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think she's like, well, I'm pulling him out of this school. And, and the administrator-type person, he's like, well, you know, you're being really unfair. We're just trying to help the boy. And that's when she gets triggered by hearing that for some reason, right? But I think, like... We'll get into it again, but it like the school would be an easy thing to vilify in this situation where she feels like the school's being unfair to him because she's so out of she doesn't have any answers, right? She's at the end of her rope basically. Speaking of villainized public servants. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> we finally have an evil set of social workers. Yeah, and in my experience with social workers pretty evil for sure. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm pretty evil for sure, but any almost any time a social worker has to enter a story, whether it's Grey's Anatomy or a movie or whatever, they're trying to take kids bad. away from good, loving parents because <laughs> right. they they don't have clean enough drapes or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Some yeah. tiny reason. Because the toast is on the counter still. <laughs> yeah, like oh well, look at that. But yeah, I I was so happy that we finally have an evil set of social workers in this movie. So yeah, says she's pulling in from school. Like the scenes are pretty quick. Um, she's in the grocery store. And she's checking out, and like he's like showing magic tricks to some girl same age, right? Yeah, and the kids liking it, and the mom's cool with it. Yeah, yeah the mom was cool with it, but then he's like, she but said Amelia something about, oh, no. 
Well, they, the girl says something about her dad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't have a dad. He died bringing mom to the hospital to have Or he just lays it right out there. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like he said that many times before. Totally. Yeah. And Amelia's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But I'm like, give this kid a break. Yeah. It's like, it's the truth. And well, that's another thing to talk about too, is I think that people get pretty scared about the idea of bringing up the concept of death with their totally. child. Yeah. What age to do it, how to do it. Um, but... I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you work with kids in mental health, mm-hmm. um, that the like best practice would be to do it at an age-appropriate level at, at any time kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like, don't talk about it if they're yeah, X years old or whatever. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I agree, like, you have to have the conversations in an age-appropriate way, and that's just the mm-hmm. way it is, but... And there are times where you're going to need to talk to the kids about it. And that, it's, it's right? a lot like talking to kids about sex, too. It's yeah. like it changes with their development. Their questions will change with their development. And mm-hmm. so your answers to them will change. Yeah, like eventually you're going to have to tell them about how, you know, the mom and dad, they call the stork and all that stuff. And... Yeah. 1-800-STORK. Yeah. Eventually. Or 1-888-STORK. Not... It depends on your region. Spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know how babies are made. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we have a very naive audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they speak about like little offhand comments about Sam feeling different and left out at school. Yeah, poor and Sam. Claire. So Claire. This is one of our first scenes, I think, with Claire. Who, I mean, the movie just presents as just a terrible, unfeeling, yes. unkind sister. And yeah. do you know what she does too? When they're at the park, she's like yammering on about some yeah. stupid thing with her job. And then she gets all on Amelia's case. She's like, you don't even listen when I talk. listening yeah. to me, exactly. Amelia, she sucks. God, she sucks. And she got no empathy for her sister. Who's clearly, do you think it's supposed clearly. to be her sister? Yeah. yeah. Is it a half sister or is it a full sister? I don't, I don't oh, think they I don't brought know. it up. Did, yeah. Okay, I but know. I assume it's her sister and not the not the aunt via the dad. Right? No, no. Yeah, I, I think she would probably sister. not get. Stop talking about my dead brother. Jeez, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wouldn't feel quite that way. Yeah, so she just introduces herself basically from jump as a huge asshole. Um, she tells, she says she doesn't want to have the joint celebration of the birthday. Right. Right. And what is presented is that they don't like to celebrate Sam's birthday on, on his, the actual day. day and so they link it up with his cousin's birthday and make it like a joint birthday. That seems like a cop out for mom though, doesn't it? Well, but do you think like that your own birthday that. really matters that much if it's from the, the year that you were born? Right. And I think that, like people would see it differently. Like a few yeah. people in the movie say like, oh, that's a little unusual to not celebrate on his real day. It like... Mm-hmm. I, I guess under- they're close, right? You have it the same. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's, it's supposed to be like a week apart. Yeah, okay. Can understand why Amelia would decide to do that. Can also understand why it might be a little, like, rude to Sam. Well, and I also, when you say it's a cop-out, I think that that is a way of her avoiding her grief, which yes. it is. 100%. Definitely. And that's for yeah. sure. No question. Um, and then, yeah, like, Claire, okay, you're saying, you know, my daughter, I hope she changed her mind, which she probably didn't hope that. But she's like, you know, she doesn't want to do... The birthday on the same day as Sam, right? And then she goes on to say, you know, maybe you could actually celebrate it on the day, which she's like, yeah, but she gives her, her a hard time for yeah. no reason, right? She should know better than anybody, I would think. Yeah, she's like, instead of just saying like, well, why don't you try it on the, or I'm so sorry, like I know that you like to do it on that day. She 
immediately goes on the offensive and goes, why don't you do it on the day? Yeah, and says, I just want you to be so, happy. She's so nasty. You know, I just want you to be happy. And then this stuff comes up and I end up feeling awful. So it's like, it's okay, all about sorry, me. Amelia. Amelia is making you feel awful. Like, it's just, yeah. it's unreal. I hated Claire so much. <laughs> I want you to be happy, but you make me feel bad. Yeah, and it's your yeah. fault. Yeah, exactly. And right? That's an interesting concept because it's something that um, you might say to kids a lot of like, you know, I didn't make you feel sad or whatever, but it's something that adults need to realize too, is that your feelings are your own and another person can't make you feel a certain way, right. but you do have it would be good if she knew control yeah. <laughs> over the way. She's like, oh, you, you just made me feel so bad. Blah, it's blah, like, blah. why don't you do some self-searching? Yeah. Why do you feel bad? Don't make it Amelia's problem. Yeah, do, do a little bit of uh, introspection there, Claire. 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 <laughs> stupid asshole. Yeah, the, do a little introspection. Claire, you stupid asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll discover, like, we have. <laughs> yeah. What an asshole <laughs> you are. suck. <laughs> I, think, I think you need to look inside yourself and realize that you're an asshole. Um, he, they're not watching him, and he ends up climbing on, like, the top bar of the swings. And, well, like... Yeah, standing right up there. Right? And they, oh, like, okay. rush him and stuff, and then, you know... And then it cuts, though. Yeah, it cuts immediately. He's screaming in the car, which he does oh. multiple times in this movie. And it was like nails on a chalkboard. It was like, bad. Oh, it was yeah. the worst. Any right? parents of kids that around that age, you know that pitch. Where it, just, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it hits and something in your head just tweaks. Like, oh, it's bad. He definitely entered and maybe bypassed that register for yeah. sure. He was going for it for sure. And then they're home and that's the first time we see the Babadook book. Which is super, like, attractive. It's, like, leather-bound. Was that when you first started? I just, again, now I just got goosebumps. And for thank the audience, you, he's you wearing a sweater. He's yeah. not just cold. Yeah, yeah, well, and I remember, like, we would hear you sometimes, and you'd be like, oh. like <laughs> Sometimes it would be, like, after a scene was done or something, and you could, a like, release, release your yes. breath or yeah. whatever it was, right? But, you know, the movie's called The Babadook. All of a sudden, this big red book called the Babadook shows up it's like really nice on the outside and Sam asks to read it as his bedtime yeah. story gets it off the shelf like it's they've read it you know yeah. they've read it before right and it's like oh, but then she says what is this and you know I'm not the single parent in my household but I don't think I think I would pick up a book I'd never seen and be like okay cool you know what I mean I don't I think I'd be like where the heck is this book I wouldn't book interrogate from? it no I'd be like okay maybe someone gave me a gift and I forgot about it yeah but I mean if I were the <laughs> only someone gave parent, me this maybe, weird creepy gift <laughs> but yeah, then she starts reading it, and she—I think she stops right around when I would have the first. And time. then he want—he keeps flipping the pages for her kind of yeah. thing. Because it's just bad vibes, right? Super Everything's bad vibes. all yeah. creepy. Yeah. All the people are drawn really ugly. It's all black the, and white. It's like smudged. Yes, charcoal drawings. Exactly. Nice pop-ups though. The pop-up nice illustrations. Pop the pop-ups those were out of nice. this world. Yeah, those are true. Good. Very high quality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. She tried to flip forward to see, like, does this thing resolve? Because I can see kind of it's going in a creepy way. And he's desperate to know. Mm -hmm. Does the thing hurt the little boy? But, like, she's like, whoa, to find out, like, oh, no, everything's fine in the book, but it's not. So she stops reading it, and he's all upset, and she's trying to read him a new one. And then, and and then he's, 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 like, crying. crying on her lap yeah. and, like, wailing, yeah. right? There are many scenes in this movie, too, and this is one of the first ones of her, like, sitting in that super dark living room, just watching TV and, like, flipping through things and, like, really creepy kind of, I don't know, maybe that's Australian what, um, television. Australian television. Yeah, it's all creepy. <laughs> <laughs> in this big, dark living room. And, like, um, one of the things, there's some old, like, romance movie 
which is when she goes uh, upstairs. She's like, to, like, oh, that gives me an idea. <laughs> right? She goes upstairs to masturbate with like an archaic looking vibrator from a wicker basket. <laughs> it looked like like a proto Wii remote kind of. <laughs> and of course she gets interrupted by Sam. So it's just another thing. You're like, oh my God. You this... can't have one thing to yourself. <laughs> right? This yeah. poor lady. Yeah. Not to mention you're about to climax and then boom, your child's there. Yeah. Like that would be pretty off-putting for both, I would think. I think that literally also he sees that she's like breathing deeply and gets worried. <laughs> and kind of gasping yeah, and, and he's like, shouting. oh no, she's in big trouble. Monster's got her. Yeah. Lucky he didn't shoot her with a dart or something like yeah. that. Uh, but that's where I, I have a note here. It's like, I think a lot of the horrors just come down to single parenthood. Or parenthood, They make it seem so smothering. Exacerbated by single parenthood, for sure. And by, like, a demonic monster. Yeah, I mean, it always throws a wrench in the works. Yeah, so I, I think, like, it was hitting home. And that's where I was just feeling so sad for this mom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's all, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I'm going to protect yeah. you. Like, why do you think he knows so much about the Babadook? Like, why does he... Is it just because he's a child and he has some sixth sense kind of thing? I wondered if it was, like, intuition. That's what I was thinking. He just, he's got some feeling and he's just going with it. Yeah. He's just got that little kid, this is the way the world is. Totally. Yeah, very, very sixth sense almost. And if we want to look at it as... Imagine there's no Babadook and it's just grief. Maybe he can tell that his mom's struggling and yeah. he just wants to help her. Trying to put on the big face and you can see through it. Yeah. Totally. He's like trying to be the man of the house already. Like trying to protect her. Yeah. And because he feels like he needs to he needs to take that role on because his mom can't handle it and he can see that. But it's also like he's saying, oh, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. I, I need to protect you and stuff. And like... This film from Sam's perspective is so heartbreaking. Just totally. like his dad is dead. Mm-hmm. He has no friends. He's got nobody except he's his mom. He's only got his mom. So he's yeah. like clung to his mom so bad. And if he thinks something bad's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, Mrs. Roach. But it's like, it's so sad to think about. It's like, if he were to lose his mom, there would be nothing at mm-hmm. all. So it's like really a scary thought. Actually. You know what? That's a very, um, that's a, a kind of concept that I feel like I come head to head with in the work that I do all the time is just seeing how razor thin some people's support networks are compared to other people. Because some people have like layers and layers and layers of safety net. that like us, for example. Like us, for example. Yeah, for sure. That like if something, if any of us were to encounter a crisis, whether it be a mental health crisis, a physical Mm -hmm. health crisis, financial, whatever, Mm -hmm. there are lots and lots of people in our lives who love us and would help us and then there are other people that what they've got is their own ability to function and maybe maybe that's it Mm -hmm. or maybe there's one other thing so if something goes wrong and they wind up on my unit hospitalized Mm -hmm. their whole life might fall apart and so that's that would be Sam's situation. Oh, absolutely. And you can get sick or, or get hurt at any time. Anyone right? can. Like, it's, it's Some people thought. have the ability to bounce back from it because of the resources they have and other people don't. And when, when people have this pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. kind of perspective where they're like, well, homeless people should go out and get a job. Yeah. That oh, kind of idea. going to hire yeah. that guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's like, home. you can you can say that sitting where you're sitting, but... Yeah. Yeah. You have to be really out of touch, I think. You to have think to be very out of touch to think that way. A person or most of them could just walk in somewhere and get a job. But like, a lot of people are, or a lot right? of people feel that way about addiction. They True. feel oh, addiction, absolutely. That's a yeah. good point. You're right. And it's right. like, do you think anyone would choose that? That's a hard one. Yeah. No one looked at a list of it options for their life and picked like, oh, CEO, no, thank you. I would like to be oh, addicted to dumpster. substances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like living on the street. No one would choose that. 
Well, it's because you don't have a grand set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe if they looked at more image macros of Elon Musk with some stupid right. Maybe if people manifested more, like spoke their wishes and dreams into the water that they were drinking. Should have been manifesting. Yeah. Where's the vision board? Where's the vision board? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, One of the interesting things I've got here. So I'm Steve. I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of fight or flight, at least a little bit. Yeah, watching that movie, I was on the edge of running or fighting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't know what what to do the whole time. Something weird was going on. Um, Well, freeze is the other one, so maybe you did that. I was gonna say exactly. Had to sit there for an hour and a half. (laughs) So a lot of times with mental health types, you're more likely to hear like. Uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. And it is a real response. Like, it's something that's, like, wired in our yeah. brain. Like, it's a really physiological deeply. response, yeah. But she definitely has a freeze response because when she's hearing noises that she can't explain away or, like, a door opens, she hides under the covers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that was a little aggravating for me. I think I'd be so nervous to know what the fuck is that that I would probably go try to find out. But do you um, want to know? After reading this terrifying book. <laughs> like, do you, though? I would... Yeah, I don't know. But then also, like, it's just me and Sam. True. You know? But that's me He's thinking... He's got weapons, though. That's me thinking logically, yeah. right? Sam, I'm, go get your catapult. <laughs> I'm thinking logically, not emotionally. Maybe I would freeze. I don't know. But well, she literally just pulls the covers up, right? And then the sun comes up, so it worked once, right? I, uh, I can tell you that um, when I encountered... Well, two different responses. Bears? The two times that I've encountered bears up close and personal, uh-huh. one time I ran for my fucking life. I ran for my I life. I ran for my life. Didn't grab no shoes. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> grab no shoes. But the, the, the other time I froze and just said my husband's name until he clapped and made the bear run away. But the other time I ran. I ran so hard I dropped my keys and I needed you to come get me. Okay, yeah, it sounds like a story time, but Jenna, yeah, maybe Jenna I should just a, drop little bits of it. Jenna was on a hike with her dog. Um, Captain, <laughs> Captain Crazy, yeah, Captain I, Crazy, the dog. My dog's an idiot. <laughs> um, and so she's walking, and it's like a trail in the woods. Like we live in very heavily wooded areas, basically. Um, and there was no one around, and her dog spotted two bears. And it chased them and chased them up a tree. And so then Jenna turned and turned and ran. Yeah. Because it's like calling oh, for fuck. him to come with me. Calling because for he her was, dog. He was at the base of the tree, stuck in place, barking, barking, barking at these bears. And I'm like, if he gets a swat <laughs> from one bears. of them, he's gonna realize that they're tougher than him. And well, but then she ran and, and he your dog did eventually go with you, came right? with me yeah she got out of the woods finally like huffing and puffing and realized that she had dropped her keys and so she called classic, don't know classic horror movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and then yeah and the bear was inside her car the whole time no <laughs> <laughs> yeah he would come up every time the headlights came. <laughs> but then she's so she calls me I don't really remember why oh it's because my husband was out of town the figures. Yeah, he was out of town. And so what did it sound like when I called you? Really? Yeah. So she calls me on that work and I'm like, she's like, what are you doing right now? Oh, what can you come get me? I'm like, like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? We ended up like, we, I drove to where she was and rather than drive her home to get her keys, we decided to be brave and go find her keys. Mm-hmm. And so we were making as much noise as we could. Yeah. We were as if the bears were going to be lying and wait. Meanwhile, the bears are <laughs> fucked off. Yeah. They don't wait for you. <laughs> but then, well, this time it's personal, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Those those two bears have been following me ever since. <laughs> but so anyway, we we get we walk and walk and walk and walk. Like it was so far. We literally said, "Well, maybe we should turn back." And then we said, "Well, 
you know what, if we came all this way, we might as well go a little further. And, and key fobs are expensive to replace. Yeah, I know that. You would know. Yeah, yeah, Steve's a mechanic. He knows. Yeah, yeah you'll be into that for a few few hundred dollars easy. Yeah, isn't it like three or four hundred bucks mm-hmm. or something? Like crazy. So then we went ten more feet, and there they were. Like, there was so much. Yeah, there. that was, and, it, and it was also the fall, so there's like... Leaves. Uh, there's all. leaves and beautiful. underbrush and... <laughs> it was beautiful, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, so guys, picture it. It was very pretty. It was yeah. very picturesque. We were just acting like idiots, making a lot of noise. Yeah, and that's why my husband was out hunting fucking grouse. Fucking Meanwhile, I'm almost eaten he by bears. He could have been there clapping at him for you. He could have been there shooting the bear. It's not bear season. Ah, I feel like probably where you were hiking they frowned upon <laughs> I can't just go I'm gonna bring the, bring the gun and go yeah, for a hike probably. yeah I'm going and for a hike in that very popular trail are you bringing your gun yeah there's a jogger going by it's like jeez you gotta wear a vest or something <laughs> yeah you fucking idiot yeah god do you, know, do you know how much of a bear you look like right now <laughs> Yeah, the jogger was running on all fours. <laughs> <laughs> this is some kind of resistance training. But that uh, that time she hides under the blanket for the first time, though, the sun comes up and she's late for work, right? So, like, they, yes. they do the transition night to day, and Sam's like, you're late for work, right? And, and like, what a confluence of the stresses in her life, because uh, it's like, she's short on sleep. Finally, she gets a little bit more sleep and sleeps to a natural point that she wakes yes, up, and now right. she's late for work and she's having trouble at work. And he sends, she sends him to Claire's house, and she's like, "No monster talk, blah blah blah." Oh. She's on the phone with him, lying, saying he's got a fever. Not, he was yeah. throwing up. Like I, I, one of the things in a movie that I hate is watching someone's like social life and work life unravel in a movie. Me too. It makes me so sad and so scared. And the whole so time, much more human. Like it's it's, exactly. it's that, such that, a relatable. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Every t- when that kind of a thing happens in a movie, mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, I'm like. Okay, well, it's not that bad at work. I'm always, like, making excuses in my head of, like, how I would address it if it were me. Right, right. And it, it just, yeah, brings me into it very effectively. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's not that bad. She could get away with a little white lie here. She and... is still right on the borderline because she mm-hmm. convinces them. He had a fever. I couldn't get to the phone, but I'm coming now. So, like, but still, you can see where it's going to go. Yeah. And I hate that sort mm-hmm. of thing so much. Slow decline. Even yeah. more so. And just like she's got a job, but like what if she loses it? Well, she's on the razor's edge just like Sam is. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sending him to Claire's house, which is like, you know, I know she has no choice. And she but... also feels like she's on the edge there because she's like, 100%. if you maybe if he talks about monsters, she won't let him come back. And she does indeed feels. say, no monster talk at Auntie Claire's. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking from the perspective of like the grief metaphor? Mm. If that was almost like, don't talk about your dead dad. Don't talk about your dead dad. Right? Which it's like... And there are some scenes where overtly he kind of gets a little shamed for talking about his dead dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yikes. Like, give the, the way kid that, a break. Right? The way that I interpreted it whenever that kind of happened was that it's too hard for her to talk about. Not that she mm-hmm. thought that he was being inappropriate, but just she couldn't handle it. I think she would, when, when he told the little girl in the grocery store, she was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an overshare. But kids yeah. don't know but that. Kids no, don't that's know right. That. No. You know what I mean? They don't have the nuances. They, they don't know that's... And and probably the other kid would have been like, whoa, seriously? Yeah. Not like, oh, yeah. I'm traumatized. No, no. Yeah. The kid, the kid <laughs> would be like, like, oh, dads die? Like, the kid would be... Yeah. Kids don't get freaked out about social norms the way that adults do because it's not... It, it, it doesn't feel the same to them. You know what they also do a lot is they personalize everything. So, like, I've spoken to classrooms about death and stuff before. And so what might have happened, actually, would she, he'd be like, well, my dad died. And she'd be like, oh, wow, like, uh, you know, my cat died uh, hmm. three years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they do what they can to relate it back to their own experience, too. But, like, 
she should she certainly shouldn't feel bad for him saying things like mm-hmm. that, right? She's on work's radar and not for good reasons, oh, right? Yeah. She knows Sam's at home and, and her nice friend there thinks he's sick. So he says, well, like, I'll cover with the grumpy lady. You go home. And I thought that was a really accurate and really human scene because she doesn't go home. She goes to, mm-hmm. like, the mall. Does her own And thing. has an ice cream. Yeah. yeah. And then watches people, like, pretty much fornicate in the car. Yeah, which is what I would also do on my half day off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I've got a few hours. Why not do both of those things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that way I won't have to do it on the weekend. I could check it off on this extra bit of time. But I was like, that—that's some truth spoken in that movie, hundred percent. Because she's just trying to get like a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also feel pretty bad for her with like all the sexual stuff because she's clearly just so like repressed. So she had she had a husband that she loved, and now she doesn't get any. Action. Contact from anyone. Does she like doesn't she's get hugged. any action. Yeah. <laughs> she just gets hugs from her tooth grinding son. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like the guy, he comes back around, but wrong place, wrong time, buddy. Uh, but I just thought that was a really accurate scene. And then she comes back to Claire's house and she's all pissed off because he hasn't shut up about the Babadook all day. And also, can you imagine showing up to your sister's house and my house? And I'm complaining that one of your children wouldn't shut up about a certain thing. You'd be like, get fucked. Be like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, if your kids are at my house, yeah. all I'm telling you is everything was great. Like, yeah. that, that's for me to deal with. Unless somebody half died. Yeah. You, they are great. They are angels. Everything was fine. What, what about, yeah. do you need to know? What about, like, how do your parents and your in-laws handle it when they're, like, your, your kids over at their place? Do they Never give you the bad. whole report? Or were they like, no, they were great. Never had a bad night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Right? And that's what you want. Because it's like, I, mean, I, I can't do, do about anything about it. About I can't it. retroactively. Yeah, so now I just have to feel bad and maybe not send them next time? No. Because you're like, oh, well, this was bad and I, my back's all out of whack today. And, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Can you imagine if I did that? It's like, well, you know. Your oldest daughter was a real bitch to me. Well, yeah. Claire's just we'll like, take oldest and youngest, but middle, no, nope, no, no, no. Claire's just the the worst. Yeah. She's the villain of this film. To me, she is completely unsupported. Like the Babadook should have had Claire features, and that would have been like story, good storytelling. Yeah, she's just a terrible sister. She's so unfeeling. terrible, terrible aunt. Yeah. Oh, like that's your aunt. nephew. Awful. Yeah. Like speaking, I was an aunt long before I was a mom. Mm-hmm. I live for my nieces and nephew. Love them to pieces. I would never, if they wanted to talk about the Bob the Duck all day long. Sure, would bug me. But you might I get annoyed. Them. Yeah. <laughs> well, what me. if what if you had a child who was like old enough to hear, and they wouldn't shut up about this monster? You know, like that would be tough. But still, you're not going to handle it the but way I would have just I would have just as much, or like I wouldn't be so much about my child that I because I still love them so much. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem to love Sam at all. No. She says she doesn't later. Yeah, which, can you <laughs> which, imagine just not loving your niece? I don't think so, no. Um, no, and I don't think, like, there's an unhuman disconnect between she and Amelia. Like, Absolutely. it just doesn't make any sense almost, but it's and really well they're, they're played like out. Their lives but, very much, but they just doesn't love her. It's really well played in the movie. I don't mean that they missed a step there, but it's, no. like, it's like sick. It's just hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's well acted. That's not the problem. It's just like, oh, it's so sad. She brings him home and everything's all drab and sad. And then she tries yeah. to make him a nice pot. The whole movie's all drab and sad. Yeah. She tries to make him a nice pot of hot milk soup. And it has glass in it. And I didn't understand, like, where did that shard of glass come from? I think she did it. Yeah? Yeah. Holy. There's no narrator, but, like, an unreliable um, 
point of view kind of thing that she's already kind of like maybe going and she's wondering off it. the deep end or that she's doing things like that Yikes. and and it's not shown i thought it was the Duck that was doing that. Well, well yes true very true through her i guess is what i mean and it's only in hers and it's not in sam's so yep. i think she suspects that sam did it yeah and he says the Duck did it and she's yeah, like and she's oh my like, god oh. you know what i mean yeah um, oh, this old chestnut they, sh- they show him yanking the rope above the stairs and I was cringing so hard. I'm like, I know where this is going. Somewhat, well, his mom is going to get tripped by this fucking rope and she's going to thock her head on the pavement at the bottom. And Do you I'm know like, what that's no. like? It's like when in The Quiet Place when they show the upturned nail oh. long before anyone steps nail on Nail sticking out of a step and they Ooh. show it way early in the movie and you're and like, you oh, know, great. you're like, that's going to go through somebody's foot <laughs> yeah. at some point. And boy, oh, does, it. does it. It does. Oh. It does. They and, don't resist oh, the urge. That's a, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you buckle up. We've got plenty to show you. Yeah. yeah. We've got such sights to show you. <laughs> and they're all scared. Okay, and then good guy shows up again. Do you think he was there to collect on his good guyness? <laughs> this is my question. He brings he brings Sam a Lego set. He brings her flowers, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I do he's think like, always helped me when I was sick. It was like your mom would go buy you big gifts when you were sick. I do think it is a bit presumptuous to be like, oh, my my coworker who I have a bit of a crush on is homesick with her child. I'm gonna go, go. I'm over. gonna go drop by unannounced with flowers for her. It's like that's not what I want. It'd be like, okay, <laughs> to no, deal I'm, with my sick kid, right? Sam apparently like tells it like it is, and that that's what Mrs. Roach says. But he's like, I'm not yes. sick. And you're like, uh, yeah. Damn it, Sam. I'm not sick. Right? Yeah. God damn it. Oh, and when he says things like, "Mummy gives me pills that make me sleepy," it's yeah. like, oh, to the social, to the social workers, workers yeah. to the evil, evil social workers. Oh, uh, and when she's remaking the food for him too, he's watching his uh, magicians DVD. So creepy. And they're like, life can be very treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the priest in uh, the Princess Bride. <laughs> but he does say exactly that. He says, life can be a wondrous thing, but also very treacherous. And I was like, that is a really good line that's just like, it's good and it's bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is like, that's essentially what this movie is about. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That she eventually has to kind of live with that fact. Mm-hmm. Not to say she wasn't before. It's not like she thought life was amazing before. But oh, she had such a loss. That and that's that's what loss would be like. She obviously loved her husband very much, and that's why the feeling of loss is so terrible and acute. Yep. She finds a vandalized picture of her and her husband, right? right? And she brings it right to Sam, and she's like, "Do you think this is funny?" And all that stuff. And that's when he like shoves her over, and he's like, "Do you want to die?" And it's like from her context she's like what no but the that because she was trying to he was trying to pick up his he, weapon okay, again as soon as she shows him the picture he like goes to grab he, his he's backpack like, don't he's worry. like that's the last fucking straw yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to help her <laughs> to his mind she brought him a call to action and he's like no fucking problem <laughs> yeah like, oh, I got he fucking did that to roll you? out <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he's ride or die for sure this yeah point. and she's like no yeah and, and then so, he pushes her over he's like do you want to die because from his perspective, it's like, I'm trying to save you and you're like stopping me. And do you think it was supposed to be read two ways that if you think Sam's a creepy kid, that you're like, think that he's threatening to kill her? He's just saying creepy, bad stuff. But yeah, because yeah, it's like, do you want to die? Not like, do you want I'm a knuckle sandwich? Kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's no, true. he's saying like, well, what do you want to die? Like, it's a hundred percent put in there so that we can read it one way at first and another way afterwards. A hundred percent. 
And she rips and throws out the book. Oh, okay. So... Because then it gets pulled together. That, that was a really... That was an intense scene for me. Right? When they throw it out and comes back. Like, oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was, was a That was one. a lot, yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, up to this point, there's been no overt supernatural stuff. So, like, we're yeah. showing you this yeah. movie. I'm like, oh, I remember it. It's scary as fuck. And it is. Yeah. But, like, it's a slow burn, too. Because before the Babadook really shows up, it's, like, halfway through the movie, it's got to be. It is. It's, yeah, it's definitely, right. like, the halfway through that it gets... You actually see the Babadook. Mm-hmm. But at least, like, for me, not knowing not knowing anything of what was coming. Like, yeah. like I said, this, the first scene when they're in the nursing home, I was scared. <laughs> right. So, like, it, it didn't take anything for it to be scary. Just, right. like, the, the aura of... The dread. Something the could... Unease. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you never you so never settle down. Hold, yeah, like right. I said, my palms were just sweating the entire time waiting for something to... Or every time it's a nighttime scene oh. or anything like that, right? Yeah, anytime it was dark, on, it's like, okay, here we go. And, yeah, they cut to the solo birthday for his female cousin, whose name I don't know. What is Ruby? Is, is it Ruby? That? Yeah, I don't know. You might be. Or you Pewdie. might be right. Pewdie. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, good thing we didn't use all our funny lines before we started recording. Uh, <laughs> just like some elevated humor. <laughs> yeah. Um, Probably over your head. <laughs> yeah. So we're at the birthday party and all those like bitchy done up moms are there. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't say they're bitchy. They're not really bitchy, but they're, no, they're like... they're just oh, obtuse. They're out of touch. Yeah. Too. Like they are very badly out of touch compared to what Amelia is going through, right? Yeah. And I like um, I do like that she puts them in their place about it. She Oh, that was a good line. They're definitely on their high horses. Hundred yeah. percent. And they just don't know what people are dealing with, no. I think. Right? And they think that it's like an equivalent thing. Um, yeah. Um, but the kid commits like a cardinal sin, Ruby, if that is indeed her name. She opens the doll that's from Sam and Amelia and she's like, I've but I've already got that one. And that's one of the things you're like, shh. <laughs> You never. You say that to me later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that you have two of those, but you never say that. Like, I've had that conversation with my kids many times. Even if you don't like it. Um, but yeah, one of the moms says that she works with, like, disadvantaged women. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, just a lot like of them you. have lost their husband, too. And she's, Amelia's like, okay, thanks. Yeah, you see her just something, something, <laughs> the one last thing she had just oh, snapped. Oh, yeah, true, eh? And then there, she's bitching. She's like, oh, life's been so hard, I, I can't even get to the gym. And that's when she's like, wow, that is oh, a real a tragedy. tragedy. Yeah. You must have so much to share with those disadvantaged women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely, she got her there. Mm-hmm. And the worst part about the whole party, too, is that Sam is cornered in the... So he, he's in the playhouse, yeah. clutching his legs, sitting in the corner, not bothering anybody. Yeah. Everybody else is watching the creepy clown. That's what he says, too. He is, I'm not bothering anybody. <laughs> I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby darkens not his doorstep. That the... mm. Yeah, that's true. And Ruby, Ruby stands in the doorway, and she's like, What are you doing in here, man? And he's like, but I'm not even hurting anybody. What are you talking about? And doesn't she say, you don't have a dad? Yeah. She says, you're not, you don't even have a dad. You're not even good enough to have a dad. Your dad died so he didn't have to be with you. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Okay. Like, this child is evil. So that, that is something, okay, so that's a terrible thing for a child to say. Anyway. It's more, it's more believable for a child to say, it happens in the new Maverick movie, in the Top Gun Maverick. That the, the, the one adults? guy's like... He talking to Miles Teller and he's like, Yeah, your dad's dead and then they go to like fight. I'm like, that wouldn't fly among adults. They'd be like no one would be like, Oh, sick burn. Yeah, like, yeah his dad is dead. <laughs> People would be like, This guy's fucked up. 
way to go having a dad, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, have a dad much? <laughs> Sick. <laughs> nice dad, x <X-Lax>. <laughs> Classic burn. Oh, I love yeah. that line so much. Uh, I don't have a dad, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> but yeah, he, he gives Ruby a righteous shove out of the playhouse and I'm yeah. like you know what I don't want to see a kid break her nose but no. she was completely asking for something to happen what do you think's going to happen when you're telling your fucking cousin you can't do that you mm-hmm. don't have a dad and it's because you're no good and your dad died on purpose because you're so bad it's like jeez it's not like this kid's an angel to begin with that you're telling him that like yeah well, you were playing with fire he's a known aggressive kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's a known pusher yeah he's a pusher one of the, that makes me think of a story, just talking about that, like I was working, I, I worked with a kid once who was like telling me that a kid was picking on him, right? And it was a particular kid and he's like, you know, oh, I've, I've tried all the, I've tried all the things you're supposed to do. I, I've told people, I've told my teacher, I've told my principal, I've told him that the only reason he's picking on me is because he hates who he is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not a strategy. That's something people tell you so you don't feel so bad about being picked on. Like, do not tell this kid that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I told him that he just hates himself and that didn't work. And he started attacking me again. Like, oh, man, that was... You're lacking something in yourself. They weren't trying to give you a new trick to use. Or like, you're doing that because you're jealous of me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so jealous. It's all over your face. So obviously, Amelia feels terrible, right? The big scene at the party, girls bleeding, cut right to him in the car again, screaming even worse than yeah. before. But he does have the. Seizure. Oh, he has a he has an episode of some kind. Oh God! You hated the look on his face. I when did. He did that. <laughs> yeah, he screams himself into a, a convulsion, then, according to the doctor. And yeah. then she goes to the doctor and basically begs for sleeping pills for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he uh, said. He yeah. says, "Okay, I think it was a febrile convulsion, which could totally happen to a kid his yeah. age." And he also says, "Oh well, he seems anxious to me." I'm like, "That's a fucking understatement, mm-hmm. right?" He's he is pretty very terrified. Anxious. Yeah, all the time. You know, you'd still say anxious, I suppose, mm-hmm. in that context. And he says, "Well, we can get you into a psychiatrist, but it might take a couple weeks." And I'm like, "That's pretty damn." That would good. be amazing to get into a child <laughs> that's, that's psychiatrist. Quick turnaround, no, very no. quick oh. turnaround for and something like, like that. Particularly a child psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, like if that's the truth in Australia, that you know, good for them. Fuck that's yeah. really impressive. Um, but yeah, she does beg him for sleeping pills, which was a big red flag for the doctor, I think. But they provided it. Yeah, he did. Do you think he was worried that she could potentially be suicidal or, or you know, infanticidal or something like That's that? That's not what I got. I just thought that he was like, well, I think it's maybe a little bit of a, I think too big of a gun for this problem. Fair enough. Um, was what I interpreted his misapprehension to be or his apprehension to be. Um, but... I have seen children who, like, have really, really rough time going to sleep. And yep. they, like, sometimes it can get so bad that they do need, like, medical assistance to get to sleep. When the rubber hits the road, you need to make them sleep. Well, that's right? the thing. It, as much as it can seem like a frivolous thing, like, oh, my kid's not a good sleeper. Right. Like, and, and no, everyone kind of shies away from the idea of medicating a child. Can give, it can give people the willies to begin with. <laughs> But the truth is, Clinically speaking, the kid the kid needs sleep, and and the parent needs sleep. That can't 100%. be kind of underrepresented either. The parent needs sleep in order to parent effectively. So, 
Yeah, and so she does get the pills. She she has a conversation with Sam, and he's like, "Why don't people like me? Is it because I'm weird and all this stuff?" It's like that yes, was great. Is. You are kind of weird. It is for that reason. Yes, yes it is, and uh. you do come off as weird, although your heart's in the right place. I was just thinking, this movie is absolutely achingly sad. Absolutely. Like every turn, it is so sad. It was almost too much to take at certain points. He says, I'll protect you if you protect me and all this stuff. And so many of the best modern horror movies really tap into these same things where it's like an emotional gut punch. So one of the ones that we might have made you watch is called Hereditary. Okay. Incredible movie. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it and another movie by the same director, Midsommar, that your your friend had mentioned Mm -hmm. to you that's kind of a daytime horror movie. Right. Yes, definitely scary, but it's like you're emotionally like beat up. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a gut punch. You know, it was one part in Midsommar that I felt like it was a little thing, but I felt like, oh, I can feel what she's feeling is when she is the fish out of water in her boyfriend's friend group. And they're all so obviously lukewarm about her. They're like, oh, hey, yeah, whatever. And like, they're just Mm. not acting right. And she's there trying to participate. I'm like, oh my God, I can, I can feel that. And it, oh, it's so, it's so bad. Like you just want to be like, get the hell out of there and be with people (laughs) who appreciate you because this group doesn't. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like for people who might oh, run socially anxious, it's like nightmare fuel. Oh, absolutely <laughs> right? it is. That's when you get your phone out and you start looking at it. Exactly, you're like, oh. I'm texting with my other friends. They go to a different school. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. They're Australian. They're, yeah, yeah. they're Australian. The Australian people say they're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what else is a good scene that does that same thing and makes me like ache for the person? Remember in St. Maud? When she's at the bar, so yeah. she's at. There's a woman at the bar alone. She's kind of dorky, whatever. Okay. There's a group over here laughing raucously, and she's like, obviously trying to listen to them, and then starts laughing along with them, and they just like stare at her. I was like, like, oh my god, get me out of this bar! I can't watch another scene in here. <laughs> I was saying like, I think that this movie taps into a lot of fears that parents have too, totally. because it's like, I want to raise a kid who doesn't hurt other kids. You know, I and, and a kid who can get by, who can follow the rules as much as they need to and do okay at school and all this stuff. And I want my kid to be liked. Want that, my kid to be liked and accepted. I have a friend. Yeah. Period. Uh, right? Like, yeah. A good aunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We all want that for not our a, kid. Not Claire. Not, not Claire. Claire. No. No, not C word Claire. No. But just like, and I want to keep my cool with them, which is something we all fall down on, mm-hmm. but feel bad maybe after we lose mm-hmm. our cool. Mm-hmm. And that we want to be able to support them, right? This movie is, like, so much really exploiting all those fears that, like, what if you had a kid who was like this? What if you treated them like this? Mm-hmm. What if no one was their friend? What if their aunt hated their guts? And then, at the big birthday party, he broke his He did the nose. worst thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't watch any more of it, please. I remember when we were, when we were done watching this movie and saying, like, b- besides the obvious supernatural part, like... Right. All, that stuff's like not too far off from what a lot of people are going through like, mm-hmm. I, like Very true. getting no sleep kids having a hard time mm-hmm. at school they want to kick them out of school like you're right no support group like that whole part of it besides the actual like scary monster part like and that's where that stuff was, can like, get real under life your skin scary. yeah because yeah, you yes. can you get it you can yeah. put yourself there totally. so easily yeah and maybe it's kind of eye-opening too because mm-hmm. there are single parents who are just making it by 
and their jobs in jeopardy and mm. their kids schooling is in jeopardy and all this stuff and you must feel like you are getting attacked on all fronts and that's what mm-hmm. I was feeling so potently when I was watching her I like I felt so terrible for her mm-hmm. so terrible for Sam it, it's really effective with that isn't it um the books return to their doorstep mm-hmm. and it's all taped together so again that's where she starts to think maybe someone's stalking her I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. because like it doesn't necessarily it's not for sure a supernatural thing mm-hmm. you know so she thinks someone's um someone's stalking her she finds out that her niece's nose is broken in two places and might need surgery and she's like well you know anything that happens i'll pay for it and then claire's like well you can pay you can barely pay your own bills yeah it's like don't isn't that don't you feel bad for me for that <laughs> yeah she's like, it's like yeah, you can't you can help me you're pay your poor. own bills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like yeah so help me out yeah. claire oh thanks claire yeah She's the worst. Yeah, it's like, right? it's not, it shouldn't be a gotcha to be like, yeah, well, you're poor, so you can't help. <laughs> yeah, did you, did yeah. you know you're poor? They see Mrs. Roach again, um, and she's rude to her. And she oh. tries to breeze right by Mrs. Roach, and she says, you know, something about Oscar, and she's like, did it to bring him up? Mm. Gives, gives she Mrs. Says, Roach she a hard she says time. That, he, that Sam tells it like it is, like his dad, or something yeah. like that. And also earlier, it might have been earlier, that... Sam had been asking her about why she shakes and she had told him she has Parkinson's. Parkinson's. That's right, you're right. And Amelia goes to kind of reprimand Sam for it and Mr. Roach is like, no, it's okay, He's allowed. he can ask. Like I told him, I explained mm-hmm. it to him. And the, the social workers show up at their doorstep and they come in and... Uh, oh, but this is where she's tearing tearing the wallpaper off and everything. Yeah, she does. She finds the didn't, cockroach place. Yeah. Didn't yeah. she bring the book to the... Did she go to the police station after she ripped up? But she hasn't. She does that after she barbecues it. Is that Um, after she barbecues? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because then she's like, I don't have it anymore. Yeah, so I think like soon after finding it again, though, you know, it's all taped up. She does go and barbecue it. She goes to the police and they're like laughing at her. Yes. Right? And and she's like, well, he's like, well, what did they give you? And she's like, a kid's book. And the police laughs. But I I actually like how she stood up for herself. Because I think that she did shut them down by being like, yeah, it contained images of me me and my child being hurt. Oh, yeah, because that's when they bring it back. I think it basically has new pages. Yeah. With like, with a pop up. That was a scary part. That was even, yeah, that was a. And like, and like, they move. Yeah, Yeah, and she's going to kill the dog. So there's a pop up of her. There's a pop up of her strangling the dog. And then a pop up of her killing her son, killing Sam. And then. She also, like, one of the pop-ups, she kind of slits her throat, right? So that was one of the scenes that made you kind of... Well, absolutely, because, I'm okay, all these things are going to be happening in the next half an hour. (laughs) Before this film's done, there's a dog, there's a kid, and then then the mom is also going to be gone here. Yeah, and I I thought, like, that was a really effective scene. The book was super creepy. Yeah. Just the way everything's drawn, and they have, like, X's for eyes and all this creepy shit. Right? Put it up on the very top shelf next time it's back. Yeah. Lower, right in eyes, like, right in eyesight. It was very, very, yeah. And the whole thing that gets kind of taken away and then comes back is a bit of a horror trope, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's a really famous movie where there's a red ball that bounces down the stairs, and it happens enough times that the guy gets super freaked out. So he, like, drives it somewhere far away and chucks it off the bridge. And then one of the biggest jump scares is when it eventually just bounces down the stairs again. And no. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm terrified. So it's That's exactly all I like the book. I, oh, I'm so glad I don't watch these movies. <laughs> but, yeah, she does find the cockroaches. She she pulls back wallpaper. They're all skittering around. And then the, the social workers come up and she says, oh, I just found this hole in the wall. And 
You know, her food was all over the freaking kitchen. She had to move the fridge. But there is no hole in the wall, so the social workers are like... Uh, but I like that she amended it. She's like, there's this hole in the wall. Paper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She thought on her feet, for sure. But yeah, the social workers are awful terrible. They're in her house. The friggin' guy, Warren, is standing around like a dumb, stupid bastard. Just like standing <laughs> there, like staring at her. He looks all stiff in his suit. And the lady's all like... And it's just like, okay, these social workers are here to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. If you don't shape up immediately, we're taking your kid. He should be in school. He'd been out for like a week. Like that's, it I does think it happen. Was like, I think it was like a couple of days at that point. I think point. you're right too. I think the problem they said was that he wasn't registered anymore. Right, because she had said, I'm pulling him from this school and she hadn't. So he was like demitted from his school. But again, so, wasn't for long. But doesn't that, that make you think, imagine you were that social worker. I would walk into that house and be like, Okay, she's cleaning okay? her kitchen. Yeah. She's deep cleaning her kitchen. It wouldn't give me... It wouldn't make me scared for the kid. Mm-hmm. I but, mean, obviously, she looks a little bit like Haggard. And that is when he speaks up and says, Well, I'm a little tired from the drugs <laughs> mom's been giving me. Yeah, but I mean, she could also very easily be like... And she does. She does, like, she does. Be like, yeah, my kid had a seizure and he's been having trouble sleeping. So yeah. he's been put on a new medication. The first time she sees... So after the social workers leave and everything, she's looking through her window... She sees into Mrs. Roach's house and she sees the Bobadook standing right behind yeah. it for the first time. So that was pretty scary. Um, that was about as jump scary as it really got. There. I was going to say the same thing. Like, there wasn't, I, and I, I think I may have asked for something without a lot of jump scares because I just wasn't quite ready for that <laughs> yet. And there's a lot of debate among horror fans about jump scares, yeah. whether it's cheating or not. Because you're kind of tapping into something that isn't necessarily scary, but it's super startling. Right. Right. So it's quiet, 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 boom, loud noise. You know what I mean? Um, whereas there's other ways to build horror that people say is, I don't know, more authentic or right. something like that. But I like a good jump scare too. Yeah. But it's like, sure. like banana pie in the face. You're going to get a laugh. Is it like, <laughs> as sophisticated as some other things? Yeah. Like a laugh's a laugh. So I feel it's like, like a scare's like a scare. It's like slapstick humor. Yes. Like, to me, there's a place for slapstick. Yes. Yeah. It gets me every time. Absolutely. My husband laughs at me because he was like, you're like a toddler. Like, it's, it's what makes me laugh the most. It's, sometimes you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like, like when he's cleaning and he falls down. Yeah. He cuts his hand on a knife or something. Yeah, it goes best. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> uh, more fucked up late night TV. Um, the circus show with the Babadook in it. And they're like, it's like a freak show almost. And there's like carnival barkers and stuff. And they're like showing... The Babadook with his weird yeah, yeah, claws yeah, yeah. out and everything. The claws were very, very ominous. Mm-hmm. She's starting to lose it and she's really good. This this actor is so good at showing that in her face. One of the great scenes, there's a time lapse. She's watching TV and the sun rises and she's just like sitting there all slack jawed, vacant looking. And the, speaking of her jaw, she also like, Constantly. as the movie goes on, rubs her jaw more and more. Yep. And, like, I took that as just a representation that she's so tense all the time. Totally. That she's just clenching her jaw all the time. Same with Sam, maybe. Because mm-hmm. he grinds his teeth all yeah. night, right? Yeah. And she she's just, like, sitting there, though, looking so creepy. And you see the light change from, like, black to light and everything because the sun's coming up. And I thought it was all over her face, some of the scariest stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she just starts to look more and more unhinged as it goes. And as a parent just knowing that she's the single parent and seeing her deteriorate oh, yeah. and knowing she's Starting got a kid to, to care for yeah exactly it, no one's coming in to help scary. yeah 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 and like parents trade each other off and, and when they can and, oh, totally. and that's a really important WCW aspect of, tag team yeah, yeah exactly exactly 
exactly. from the top ropes. And then yeah. you go suplex your baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's talking back to you, Tangian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> flying leg drop. <laughs> yeah. She finally tries to lay down after that scene, like when she's just sitting there watching TV all night. Soon as she hits the bed, Sam's like, I need to eat. He's right in her ear. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to eat. You said I need to take these pills with something. I'm really hungry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's no food in the house. Yeah, and she loses it on him for the first time. She's like, why are you always talking, talking, talking? Don't you ever just stop? And then he's like, well, you said I need to eat something. And yeah. she's like, why don't you eat shit? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Ooh, that, that hurt. Right? That yeah. was so sad. And like this poor kid's just trying to do the right thing. You said I need to eat with my pills. Well, and then just imagine. There's also a kid who needs to eat. Well, yeah, that too. But he also, it's like from his perspective, it's like, okay, so I've got one person Mm -hmm. and now she's turning on me. How terrifying. One person in his whole universe and And she's, yeah, not herself. We're lucky enough that it's very difficult to conceive of. But when you have to follow this woman through this story, you're like, oh, fuck. Right, yeah, like this just doesn't let up. Scared kid. Exactly. And, and you can like when you have little kids, you like even if you slip up for a moment with something, you can tell how quickly something bothering the parent or something being off with the parent, how quickly the kid is aware of it and so scared. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was with your daughter, and. Um, we were trying to get ready to, to go out the door and she was making a joke like, no, I'm going to take my shoes off or something like that. And I said, no, but I said it too fast and abrupt. And I saw her face just go blank. Right. And I, I immediately went like, oh, was like, was that too much? Like, was my voice too loud? And she kind of then was like, yeah. And like laughed it off. But it just gives you... It's teetering, eh? And, and she was like, whoa, that was not quite right. And it just gives you the, like the understanding that you are like their interpretation of the world is through the lens of you and they're constantly taking your pulse constantly or like when she ran across the street to go i screamed at her yeah we were at the park and i couldn't see that my husband was coming down the street because there's an ice cream truck in the way yeah it was a kid's paradise we were at the park (laughs) yeah we were at the park there's an ice cream truck and my husband was coming down the street to meet us at the park but all I saw was my niece run in front of the parked ice cream truck oh. out into the street and I couldn't see the street because of the truck. That's scary. And I, I screamed her name. <laughs> yeah. Screamed her yeah. name. And she looked at me like I had two heads because she was like my uncle, I was running to my uncle, he's right here and he had beckoned her over because he could see that there was no traffic. Oh. And yeah, so she was like what the hell is your problem? <laughs> Yeah, two instances. Claire, easy. I was going to say, two instances of you acting like a giant Claire to my daughter. I'd be screaming at your daughter. That's why we call Claire the C word. Yeah. (laughs) That's her her nickname. Um, And it's just like at this point, oh, and and so she crashes her car. And this was a funny scene because we were all the three of us watching it in Steve's garage, right? And we had a really good setup, big speakers projector when the car crash scene came up like one of the things came unplugged and, and, <laughs> and it made the same sound as in the beginning of the yeah, movie when it kind yeah. of was like yes. muffled and it made sense because it was in a car accident so it was really perfect because this guy is screaming at her through the window and what we're hearing is like an ee, 
and like so I'm like, oh, she's having like an out of yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. how I saw it. It was ridiculous but how well like, it landed. And then Jenna, like, you were like, no, kept going and kept going. Yeah, I was like, I think there is. Sex. <laughs> yeah, so I go up and plug it back in, and it, it it really made like a lot for us. Oh, it was perfect. They could have done that. I was like, movie. no, I think this is on purpose, and then it like went on way too long, and I was like, okay, maybe. No, not. maybe not. Let's plug the HDMI cord back in. When I was watching it today. It, there was sound through the whole thing. And How was like, it? Was it different? Like, it was just more sad stuff. Yeah. I just bought this car. What the hell are you doing, lady? Oh, and that's real nice. You got your kid back there. Blah, blah, blah. And then she just takes off. Yeah, she, she, she's done with that conversation. <laughs> so, you know, maybe better not to hear it if you can. Yeah. Audience, if you have a, if you have a part of a movie where you like to not listen to the sound, maybe that would be it. That's when she is in the bathtub in all her clothes. Mm-hmm. Right, and then she puts pulls Sam in. in. Sam like, in. Okay. It's actually, actually, kind of sweet. If you weren't like, what the fuck is she gonna do next, right? And he's like, well, I can call Aunt Claire. I can blah blah. And she's like, Aunt Claire doesn't want to talk to us anymore. And she's all like, kind of sing songy yeah. almost, you know? Very delirious, kind of. That's when she started to really scare me the most. Mm-hmm. I think just disconnected. Yeah, that it's wrong. Her her affect is wrong. Mm-hmm. So one thing that. Um, can be a symptom of illness is incongruent affect. Right. So, for example, someone's telling me, like, yeah, I'm feeling absolutely terrible. I feel like killing myself, but they're smiling and laughing. Right. Ooh, that's, yeah. Not typical. up. And so that would be, yeah, that would throw (laughs) up a little flag on the old assessment. (laughs) And then we'd let the psychiatrist take it from there. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, her affect is wrong because she's not acting... The way she usually would for the way the scenario is playing out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a note here. Her steep descent has begun. Mm-hmm. Like she's off to the races in terms of like her mental health is terrible by this point. The um, I believe the Babadook by that point has already like jumped down her throat. Yeah, because that, that part is very scary. What did you think of the scene where the Babadook's on the ceiling creeping its way to her? Where you actually like get like the physical mm-hmm. manifestation? Oh, so the first time you actually yeah, see first time, it. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a lot, it was it was a lot definitely. And he kind of like chitters. Yeah, he yeah, makes right, <laughs> right. And he's got that creepy like when he says ba 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 duk duk duk. Yeah. Like, okay, so that that's that's the take home from the movie for me. That's, that's what stuck that, to you. That is still like I'll, I'll be walking and I'll just like say it to myself oh, no. and I'll creep myself out you when do? I do it. Yeah, I just I that's what I hear in my head. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's 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 fine. That's fine. But there's something so creepy about that like um voice that has not very much behind it but has the like the the vocal fry of like yes <gasps> oh, right because that's when, like the grudge when 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 she picks up the phone and it's like bah, bah, yeah. that's that's what that's like i'm hearing it right now yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a scene where she's laying there um sam wants to call mrs roach because he doesn't think they should stay at the house yeah right. she's really oh, sad so sad and she says i just want to sleep and she's hearing all these whispering words and whispering sounds. And what is it called when you're in twilight almost and you're not asleep yet and you have a bit of a hallucination? It's called a hypnagogic hallucination. And right. it's not by itself a symptom of, of illness. It can happen. It can happen. Right. And it makes sense. You're going between dream and reality, basically. Yeah, yeah. and I've had that happen to me plenty. And I, I totally. can remember when, when, when my kid was, you know, weeks old or months old you're up so much and like i remember i was up all night multiple Mm -hmm. multiple days in a row right and 
I was laying down trying to sleep and I had my fan on about three inches from my face like I always do. And so I'm hearing the white noise of the fan, but I felt like just behind the noise of the fan, I could hear a little whispering voice. And so I was like, turn the fan off. I was like, nope, I can't do it. It like freaked me out. So I'm like, and I knew it was like because I was really, really tired. Your brain is just making But I was like, fuck no, I can't deal with that. So yeah, okay, I think I understand what they're trying to show here because... She was here, oh, and it's creepy. Like, you're hearing this, like, kind of whispering, and it sounds really quiet. But then you hear it, and it's weird because it's all, like, muffled. It's like a, a microphone that's way overpeaked kind of thing. And it's like, there's someone in the house! And I, I don't know where that was supposed to be coming from or whose voice it was supposed to be, but it scared the shit out of me, that one. People, um, most people that I've interacted with who have auditory hallucinations, mm-hmm. they're... They're, they're very scary and a lot of the time it is a little like whispered voices that they can't really understand and when they can't understand it they're often saying really terrible things like um really common is for them to put put them down um so like oh right a little whispering voice that tells you you're a piece of shit you, yeah. you suck you're the worst everyone everyone oh. thinks bad things about you and like that is what they hear all the time and so it's just like it just really is so draining to them and scary and like all consuming. She then wakes up and hears something and it's Sam on the phone with Mrs. Roach. Mm-hmm. And he's like, please, can we just come there tonight? Blah, 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 blah. And then she gets so mad. He's like busted. Yeah. Right. She's, he's in the kitchen, like trying to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and imagine like, like a six, what you say it was six, six. Seven, six year old kid to have the wherewithal and yeah. know it's that bad to call yeah, the neighbor? Yeah, I know it's that bad. And being that's that scared like, of your mom. That's so oh, sad. That hurts. Yeah, yes, it was it sad. And she's like, gets on the phone with Mrs. Rose. She's like, he's just being extremely disobedient, blah, blah, blah. Tries to shut it down, and that's when she does grab a knife, and she she's like, "Is this what I have to do?" Takes the batteries out of the handheld phone, cuts, cuts the, the cuts the wire, and I was like, "That's kind of almost plausible." If if she were just a woman who wasn't experiencing the actual Babadook, right? But she was saying, "Sam, go to bed. Stop doing what you're doing. Do not call anybody. You know, I don't want to call Mrs. Roach, who's eighty and it's bedtime and all this stuff." Mm-hmm. And then she catches him doing it, and she's like. What do I have to do to make you hmm. listen to me and not do this stuff? But then she does grab a kitchen knife and cuts the wire, mm. right? And but, she's standing there with it. Yeah, and like, I'm like, well, here, okay, here's the first one off the list. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. And then I, I, I mean, it was a tense scene, but I thought it was a bit of a funny scene. She's like, don't worry, I'll make sure nothing gets in here tonight. And there's like a montage of her, but she's just doing normal stuff. She's like locks the door. Locks deck the door. For, yeah, closes the windows for the first time ever. Like this kid's terrified of monsters. This is the first time you think to close the windows, mom? Like, come on, you're not giving them much hope here. Yeah, exactly. She's like, fine, I'll go way above and beyond. I'll close the door and I'll lock it. I'll lock the windows if you, I like. I thought she was gonna like put a board over the door or something. You know what I mean? But she's just like, she's just kind of doing regular housekeeping type stuff, closing the door, and Sam pockets his pill because he doesn't feel safe enough to take it and go to bed. Like he's a captive. Yeah, I mean, at that point, he is. That's so sad. It is. She's watching more TV, and she has the intrusive thought of him like 
dead on the couch all covered in blood right you know and that would be something that would definitely be happening if she were like having insomnia and all that stuff she'd probably be dealing with a ton of intrusive thoughts basically meaning she doesn't want to have the thought but they just keep coming in right you know what i mean and she wakes up and she's holding the knife and you know he's he's looking right at her uh bugsy starts barking at her big mistake oh my god yeah, one of the worst things you can do if you want to survive the night in a horror movie is don't be the family dog. Don't be a dog. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sad, but it's very true. Really? Yeah. They're, yeah. Often the first They're like thing. the canary in the coal mine. Yes, uh, yes. They're like a harbinger to be like, okay. don't go in that house or don't do that. And then... The dog knew it was up. Yeah, he was barking. How do you like, what the hell's up with mom? Yeah, she's got a baba duck in her. I'm, yep. It's a bad I'm, case. I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, bad case of the baba ducks. And, Cut the ducks. <laughs> and she starts kind of parenting out of guilt a bit too because she brings him like two bowls of ice cream because she knows she's acting kind of irrational and scary and all that stuff. And she's like, and there's more where that came from. So I'm like, oh. She, she's like constantly flipping back and forth between being super scary and terrible and, and then like almost love bombing him in that yeah. scene, right? Which is really sad to see play out. Um, okay. And this is when we get to my, and you already know what my least favorite, uh, I think it's a good scene, but it really puts me on edge. It's like a two second scene and I'm like, I can't watch any more of this scene. I need it off the screen immediately, which is when there's like a news spot that she's watching and it's about oh. a woman who killed her son yep. and then attacked officers with a knife and it, sh- it zooms in on her window and she's like smiling in it. And I'm like, ah, like I can't. <laughs> Look at that. Like, there's something about her face. It sets me on edge worse than anything else that happens in the whole movie. <laughs> now, was that news story, was that her dreaming of, like, her doing the news? Yeah. 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 It, was, so. it was just, like, a, a kind of fever dream, right. basically. Yeah. But, like, reality is totally distorted all through this part of the... 100%. Yes. Like, Babadook being in the TV show she was watching. Like, yeah. all those yeah. things are, like... Is that... that? That's why I feel like this movie's a bit, like like fairy tale a little bit surreal not quite right and also like everything she watches on tv is weird and like mm. not set in any certain time and the way that they dress and the house she lives in like everything's a bit off and weird yeah, yeah like when surreal. is the movie set too. yeah exactly like, is it right it's not really a recognizable yeah. yeah you probably couldn't pin it no and, no and that might be to try to make it timeless but also I there's think something to a little, make it a little off bit it. off and surreal i think that's you're right. the way i feel about it she has a vision of her husband and she hugs him. Yeah. And right. That, that's so heartbreaking. I know. And that, again, like when we're talking about the grief, it's like, you know, that's such a potent scene when she's still grieving him very potently, you know, even after almost seven years. Mm-hmm. And then she's seeing him there and she's having trouble letting go of, of the thought that maybe he could still be with her or anything like that. And he says, we can, we can be together. So it's like tapping into what you would want the most in the world. Mm -hmm. If you bring me the boy. Right. And then he says, you can, you can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. And she knows it must not be him. Right. Cause he, he wouldn't say that. We did, I think, talk about it a little bit at the top, but just the fact that the whole movie could be seen as like a, uh, an allegory for grief. Mm -hmm. And so, as you said, the fact that she's still so much in her group grief, in her groove. In her groove. No, she's not in her she's groove. Not, no. She's not, no. She's groove back. Yeah. She's so much in her grief seven years after the fact. Yeah. Um, we've talked about before is the, the idea that she's got a kind of complicated grief. 
Right. And um, that that is like a clinical term that we use for grief that doesn't play out in the uh, more expected way and can be like longer lasting and mm-hmm. sometimes more detrimental to your ability to function. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in her case, to me, it seems pretty clear of the reason for it to be complicated or a reason Mm -hmm. uh, that it could be complicated the way it is is the fact that she had a newborn baby to care for at the same time she just lost her husband so she kind of couldn't address it in the way that she uh, like that she would have been able to maybe process it more effectively she couldn't because she always had to be on and then it just got at this point it's just too much for her yeah and there is a term for that and it's escaping me right now but it's like task-oriented grief right Mm. so the person who's really hardcore about pulling off the funeral and having everything in line and getting the the estate squared away and all that stuff when someone's just died it could be that that's one of the ways that they're processing grief is to try to stay busy Mm -hmm. and there are some times where that doesn't work so well because you're not giving yourself the time to really feel it and you're kind of distracting yourself from it which could be a recipe for complicated grief for sure and I, i just think like this movie really executes the grief allegory extremely well mm-hmm. i thought i was all clever when i messaged you the next day and i was like wait a second yeah. <laughs> you were all you clever. were too as, as, as i was up all night thinking about this movie yeah like, <laughs> only took all night you're like yeah. i wonder if the filmmakers thought about it yeah <laughs> yeah it's a subtext and it is the subtext don't we were proud of ourselves when we thought oh, of it too. Absolutely. <laughs> You're allowed to, to be smug about it. And then yeah. you go on the internet and everyone's like You're in bold letters, yeah. grief yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you search like you start typing Babadook and Most Babadook. search. Yeah. Oh, oh that movie yeah. about grief. What is the yeah, what illness is the monster? It's like, oh okay, alright, well they beat me to it. You go on to Reddit like twelve years later to be like, guys, I have a theory. Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot take. <laughs> She ends up with the Babadook pursuing her through the house. It chases her up to her bedroom. It's coming through the fireplace and it like dives into her back. And she looks up and her pupils dilate. And this is the first time that we hear like the T-Rex noise. Oh, right. It's like a straight up dinosaur yeah. roar that that kind of took me out of it a bit. Because like we for sure heard that sound effect before. Um, and like then, a Wilhelm scream. But yeah. from the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sure it they got cool. one recording of a dinosaur in like 1950. That yeah, the last one. Since. That's yeah. true. We should be happy it exists at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very lucky. And then she sat in the chair and she's doing like a time lapse, like jerky thing in the chair, which is super scary. And she, that is where she chases Bugsy. Mm-hmm. And she gets him too. Spoiler oh yeah, she gets a little dog, guys. Too. Yeah. Her little, yeah. <laughs> she chases him into the into the kitchen and snaps his neck. So I don't know. Not a dog lover, you per se. No, but I'm not. I'm not pro killing. <laughs> I'm not pro killing animals. <laughs> For the record, yeah, the, yeah. Leave that in. That's not hitting uh, the yeah. Don't. Floor. Other people's animals are fine to have them for myself. I would never, but... Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, she snaps its neck, which is just like a very visceral sound. It's like super hard to watch. And then she goes for the tooth. And I think that you were affected by her yanking out her own tooth. Yes. That, that is just... It's just not... Like tooth pain is such an intense uh-huh. thing. Tooth pain is like white hot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. And, and then for someone to just like marathon man and just like rip out their own... <laughs> right. That's called body horror in the horror community. And and I would say horror and teeth are quite happy bedfellows. Like, they know that they can get people with eye stuff and and teeth stuff. 
and uh, they they go to the well a lot in the horror genre, I would say. She quickly looks up at the staircase and she sees Sam, and that's almost kind of jump scary. Like she she quickly looks up and he sees like all this crazy shits happen. And then she chases. She chases him yeah. super fast up the stairs. So that was a pretty scary so scene. So sad, too. poor boy. <clears throat> right, and he yeah. he locks the door. Yep. And she's again she's flopping between really gentle, really intense. She's like, oh, open the door, sweetie. Bugsy's hurt. We need to get him to the vet. And then she's like, open the door, Samuel. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And what did you guys think when she reached her fingers onto the trim of the door and started like pendulum swinging to bash it in? Like kind of funny. Yeah, that was that was kind of more Jackie. Chan. Would love to meet the carpenter too for the door trim. Yeah, I'd be no. like, goddamn, nice, yeah. nice work on that. Good one. work, Aussies. Build good house. <laughs> yeah, clearly yeah. it was integral to the structure. Yeah, of the house, that strong Australian eucalyptus. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. a load bearing door frame. <laughs> yeah, kicks it in. He wets himself. Mm-hmm. Which is also really sad, yeah. You know, and, and she a, makes fun of him for it. That is in so many horror movies. Yeah, kids wet, people wetting themselves. Such a vulnerable state to be in. When you have scared someone so bad that they wet themselves, it's like they're like reverting to like being a baby. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like it's always visceral when that happens. Plus, piss is gross. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a pee guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna alienate some of our kids. Sorry, listeners. sorry if anyone's a pee guy out there or pee girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not my thing. Um, and she's like, you're a disgusting pig wetting yourself like that. It's um, like sex. Like, that's kind of, like, kind of old, but like still like it's it's awesome. like, definitely not out of the like, realm of possibility. No, not at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you give him a break. Yeah. And she says she wished that he had died, which is just like the... The most horrible. That's a, One of the biggest gut punches, right? And I'm sure things like that, I'm sure things like that do happen sometimes when people are at their worst, but like, I can't imagine saying much worse to your kid. You can't pedal back from that one. No, they're always going to remember that forever, no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Plus you kicking in their door to say it to them. Yeah. Yeah. The the delivery really is what, yeah. Yeah. Context matters. Or like if you're, you know, if your kid ever said something like, I hate you. Like if you ever turned around and said, I hate you too. It's totally different. can't take it back no of course it's totally right? different yeah you cannot take that back and she says I, sometimes i just want to smash your head into a brick wall until your brains pop out and it's like okay that one's probably unique to him he might be the first kid oh, i hope to ever hear that <laughs> pop out jeez and he says you're not my mother which i thought was really good i, th- I think so too yeah and it's like how protective for him to be able to separate that. Because he's keeping himself safe by saying and thinking that. Yeah, he's like, this is, this is this the monster. This is not my mom. No. This is the monster. 100%. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, my mom can be both. My mom can love me and also want to like, bust my True. head in. Smash <laughs> my head, yeah. That, and, that's and too much we, for a kid to understand. And if we look at it from the mental health perspective, too, it's like kind of beautiful, actually. He's like, no, this isn't the way that you really are, yeah. right? Which is like that's a hard killing concept. me just thinking about right now. But. That's a hard concept for adults to understand when they know a person who's struggling like with bad depression or whatever else to be like, why are they acting this way? Because even if you tell someone that person has a mental illness, people still go, well, why are they doing this? Like, mm-hmm. Well, because mm-hmm. they're not... Because they have, yeah. they have a, a mental illness that is impacting their behavior. Yeah. If something is going haywire in your brain, it will change your behavior. Yeah, but I, I, th- I thought it almost could be like a, an encouraging message to his mom 
Although, like, yeah. you, you don't want to dismiss a person, like, no, I am myself right now. But it's like, yeah, but you're not thinking the way that you usually would if you mm-hmm. weren't sick right now. Right. You know or, what like, I, mean? I know that that's not your values. I know that that's yes. not your intention. That I've definitely said that kind of thing to uh, to people tons of times. Right. Because they'll they'll come back out of like out of a state where they were really sick and not not acting the way that they want to act, and been really apologetic. And yeah, you come out of it and being like, I know that's not yourself. I know that's not representative of you. And then um, she she comes back. She's like. I am, I am your, your mother. mother, and I was like, "Isn't that like direct from Hereditary too?" Doesn't yeah. she scream the exact same thing? But as? she goes, "I am your mother." That's <laughs> okay, when she's still like herself. Oh, Tony Collette is but so I was good. Like, Jesus Christ! Like that. It was just so scary. She goes. This performance by Amelia is amazing. Like she yeah, goes unhinged, and then I have a note here. And then his weapons work absolutely flawlessly. Yeah. Oh, and like when the rope from the <laughs> beginning, you finally uh-huh. get to see it work. Yeah, so and he shoots her with a dart yep. and goes right in her arm. And then he shoots her with a bocce ball. And she's like, oh! And then he takes off. Runs now. downstairs. Yeah. She comes running after him. He does the big yank. She trips, falls down. And then I think he like knocks her out with like a two by four, basically. And he ties her up. And then he like Gulliver travels her. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, like, what a brave boy. Oh, man. What a brave little boy. <laughs> Can you imagine having to be like, well, I've got to tie mom up. Like, yeah, I've got to tie up this adult who's trying to kill me. But also, good on him, too, for like yes. planning. Like, he, that, he that he was well it. executed. He, like, he, that doesn't Culkin. happen by accident. Yeah. Oh, he, he puts Macaulay Culkin to shame with his booby traps. Well, yeah, exactly, because the wet bandits were still walking around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I was saying... Little worse for wear. <laughs> yeah, they touched a hot doorknob or something. Yeah. He, I said, like, the kid is like a survivalist. Yeah. He's like a young survivalist. But the apocalypse is his mom getting babadooked. <laughs> and he's, like, maybe a little too good at it. Like, he has her hogtied and all this. I'm like... Damn, this kid's... Yeah, how did he learn that? Yeah. Right? And how did he do it so fast with an unconscious deadweight body? All this stuff, yeah, right? Deadweight's too. But he doesn't right. do a great job because she gets a little bit free. Well, he's six. Yeah, yeah well, but... Well, Jenna, would you give him a break, please? For God's sake. Well, maybe if he was in the Scouts or something, he would have done a better job. <laughs> I wonder what they're called in the, in Australia. Scouts. Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty close. Similar. Okay, yeah, similar. you're right, you're right. <laughs> Spoken, spoken with a perfect accent. <laughs> perfect. And she started saying, I want you to meet your dad, which is really that scary. Was very creepy. I thought for sure that Sam was going to be mean as maker. Mm. Oh. oh, I'm well, I'm very glad for you that it worked out. Yeah, did you feel like, okay, this kid might die in this yes, movie? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, God, they were effective in doing been... that? Yeah. Oh, that would have, like. Especially, especially when the dog, like when she kills the dog, it's like, oh happened. man, this yeah. is That's like, true. now she's going to kill her son and she's going to off herself. They're and really this, going oh. there. We're this like, movie's heavy enough. That, that's that's what I that's what I thought was. And we're like, like Steve, come watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause especially because the book, like, that's how the book plays it out. Hundred percent. And then she, all of a sudden, the dog's dead, and it's like, oh no, I don't want to see these next two. In the most incredible pop-up technology ever, yeah. to show us all three of those deaths. And he says, "I know you don't love me. The Babadook won't well, let you. Well, but I love you, and I always will." And I was like, "Okay, that's almost like abusively sentimental." It's also, don't you think it's like so wise beyond his years oh yeah the idea of, of saying like that you can't love me it's like you and and that i do anyway even though you don't oh, i can't even imagine for a six-year-old kid right 
she starts choking him and like she looks like a totally different person yeah like, she does she looks like hideous and like deranged. oh yeah. that was so scary and he does the face rub again yeah. and that's what makes her like, like throw him to the through. side yeah and oh. she she's able to get up and the starts convulsing pukes him out pukes up all that putrid the, black the stuff black yeah yeah but then the, the babadook sucks uh, Samuel up to her bedroom. Yeah, so they after that, they think they can leave. She's puked up the bad thing, right? Which is, a, a, you know, it, it's a pretty cool scene when you're considering, like, okay, the grief allegory, the depression allegory, whatever it is, that she's able to, like, ex- do something to expel it, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But then he says up there, he says, you can't get rid of the Babadook, mm-hmm. and then it sucks him up, right? Which is one of the reasons that I think it works a little, a little better if you consider the Babadook to be the grief than a depression mm-hmm. because it's like, number one in the book it says, I'll make you a bet, the the more you deny me, the stronger I get, mm-hmm. right? Which is grief all the way. And the complicated grief that we see there. And it also says, you know, you can't get rid of me. And it's like, when you're talking about grief, so if you were to, if someone were to go for grief counseling, one of the misconceptions might be like what Claire would say, which is that you need to move, you need to get over it. Right. Right. Hmm. Whereas the case really is you need to be able to feel all the feelings that come along with the grief and let yourself feel them. You need to accept that the person is gone and not coming back in the same way or whatever your spiritual beliefs are. They're, they're not coming back to the physical space. Hmm. And you need to learn how to make a new life without them while you're still able to honor and and think about them hopefully in a positive way, right? But not be so triggered by any reminder that you can't take it or not be so avoidant that you can't think of them. But you need to learn that, you know, the person's gone, my life is completely different and how do I move forward from there, right? So that's where when you're saying you can't get rid of it, it's like grief is, grief stays with you. It's not something that... You grieve and then it's gone. It's like I you're going to get reminders. You're going to have birthdays. You're Something gonna... will happen and it'll, you'll have that thought in the back of your head. And then, yeah. Right. Was, so that's um, why I think it's perfect. I was going to say just the same thing because when I've heard it talked about, I've heard people say depression and I think it mm-hmm. doesn't fit that as well as it fits grief for that same reason. Yeah. And also the, the fact that if it was depression, you shouldn't feel that you just have to live within that. It'll always be part of Fair you. Fair enough. Because depression is treatable. Grief should stay with you to a degree, as you said, because it's something that it's you will never, y- you will never get that person back, that thing back. It's natural to grieve it, and yeah, your life won't go back to exactly the same. And you'll always but, wish for it, right? But depression is not something that you should feel that you should just tuck away and learn to live with it, live around it. Or that it's there's something no you other should way. Seek, dep- uh, seek treatment for because there are very effective treatments for depression. And that's something that right, I get worried right. about when people use that kind of language where they say like, well, it's just, it's just who I am. Yeah. Or, or they, they get towards thinking that it's something that they're like doomed to feel forever right. because there are, there are effective treatments. A hundred percent. And there are effective treatments for grief too, but the goal is so different. Yeah. Right, you're not trying to necessarily reduce the feelings of grief. And you're not trying to get rid of grief. Yeah, you're trying to increase the person's feeling that they can move forward. Right, mm-hmm. and I agree. Like depression is treatable. You can move into and out of a depression, and a lot of people probably feel like they can't, and they've lived with it for a long time, or they feel like it, it's just like kind of a co-pilot for life. And a lot of people might feel like that. But depression is something that can be quote unquote cured under the right circumstances and and with the right you know 
treatment and things like that. Not for everyone all the time, but grief, like you can't cure it. That's not how it works, mm -hmm. right? So I think that that's why it's a more tidy analogy for grief. Not to mention, we're told as the audience, she literally lost her husband. Like, yeah. okay, perfect. That's, a, that's grief. You can't deny that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. She does go, she runs up into the room. The Babadook tries to kind of tempt her with Oscar again, saying like, we can be together and, you know, just give me the boy and all this stuff. So I was wondering, like, did you guys take that to be like, the Babadook's trying to get her to send herself and and Sam to heaven, basically? Yeah. 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 Right? Like yeah. that he's like, just kill, just kill him, kill, get, kill yourself and we'll yeah, all be together, together yeah, right? Absolutely. Yikes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about... I, really, um, I thought it was coming. What we mentioned. Oh, uh, oh geez. What you mentioned about the idea of anniversaries and stuff like mm -hmm. that with um, depression and grief is that um, that's actually part of like our admission questionnaire when when people come in with um, like depressive symptoms mm -hmm. because it is really common for people to have like exacerbations of um, illnesses or to like to have worse times when they are tr triggered by like a significant event. So we do ask like, is it like is it near the anniversary of like any kind of traumatic event so sometimes it's like mm -hmm. some kind of assault or like a significant loss right or that kind of thing and that's actually a really common uh, like piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. when someone mm -hmm. comes in with um with certain illnesses and it, it's something that yeah, we use in clinical diagnosis yeah. well and and complicated grief is something that's kind of hard to nail down with a definition because grief has no timeline and it's not linear where you start here and you end here yeah like the it's stages of grief that a lot of people would be circular. familiar with it's definitely like nice for a lot of um narratives and stories yep. and stuff like that but that it's not an accurate representation of what actually happens because like, you can't predict it um yeah and, and it's just like it's a nice idea but it's not clinically true and I think the person who came up with that, and the name's escaping me, but they probably did recognize mm -hmm. those feelings in the people they were working with, but some people would be Some in people and out like the idea that some it's people... as simple as denial, and then this, and then this. Yes, oh, okay. exactly. So you can check, check them exactly. off on your, way, yeah. on your way through. Like, okay, well, I'm I, almost I've done, done grieving. I've done you're denial. In, yeah, here I am anger. negotiating. Yeah. So. And, then, and then now you're in depression. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, exactly, but yeah. unfortunately not. And you can think you are kind of coming out of grief and then slide back into it. Like it's more like a circle than a line. And one of the things though, that can be a big sign about complicated grief as opposed to typical grief would be, it kicks you into a depression or another illness or another diagnosis or something like that. Or you're not able to live life the way you want to. You can't go to work anymore. And it's, you know, a year later or more, or who knows, or you're suicidal yourself and all these things. So she is kind of, experiencing most of that mm -hmm. right this is though where she gets to have a big standoff so sam's behind her she starts screaming at it you are nothing and you know what it made me think of was is it it chapter two mm. that they do the same thing Don't to they him and to, like, they turn him into him? a baby i think they had to laugh at him yeah but i thought it was so good so she's like i'm i'm more powerful than you are mm -hmm. so like you know yes you are a mental illness that i'm dealing with but i'm stronger and I can, I can get through last. this. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I looked at it as like, like my role as a mom and my more love important. for my kid is more powerful than Jeez. whatever you have. Yeah. No, I, I right? Know, right in the heartstrings. Oh. But Especially then she said, and the kids. fear strings. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, this is my house. You're trespassing in my house. So I was like, that's cool. So it's like an unwelcome passenger kind of thing, which is kind of mental illness. It fits into that idea mm -hmm. pretty well. 
Um, but my favorite part, because it was so cathartic, she's like, touch my son, I'll fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's exactly what Sam needed to hear. That's yeah. what, oh, that's what Sam cool. needed yeah. for sure. Because she's like, I'm going to fight for Sam, even though he's a weird boy who creeps me out. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 my weird I almost kid. just stabbed him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a lot of uh, apologizing. To and, we, and we didn't even mention that he stabbed her in he the leg. He stabbed her directly in the leg with a kitchen knife. Yeah. So, I mean... And she had to write that off somehow to Mrs. Roach. She's like, yeah, I got a little yeah, exactly. whittling injury. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm pretty good, Mrs. Roach. Thanks. I puked up black ink. Yeah. I'm stabbed. I got shot in the arm. Yeah. I'm, like, concussed. We need to get the telephone guy in. And I have binding marks from my son because he tied me up with rope. Also, unrelated, my dog died. My dog, yeah. <laughs> Bugsy fell down the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was an, an owl. And then knocked him down the stairs. You start to hear these golden eagle. <laughs> he could be picked up by an owl, Bugsy. Totally good. Um, you start to hear these like weird moaning sounds that are small, mm. and I got the impression she almost shrunk it because then they like go. You see like a POV shot of them like walking up to it and looking mm. down, and then it goes like, ah! and then it like we follow it Shoo! as it shoots it down, down to the, the basement. basement. Yeah. It was like I hated that sound. It was like. It was almost as bad as seeing her in the window looking so deranged. I hated the sound of it scream. I wanted it to end. But I mean, also, like, it was really cathartic. And so one of the things that really drives home the grief narrative for me, too, was the way that they showed it. So, number one, it was so nice to see, like, the actual sun come out and some Hmm. green grass (laughs) and stuff. And they're getting ready for his actual birthday. And Mrs. Roach is coming, and she's like, oh, how's your leg, love? And she's like, oh, good, I got my stitches out today. I'm all good from her stab wound. And the the social worker's being pretty okay, just sitting there having tea. She's like, well, birthdays are very fun. Or something like that. Yeah, especially when they're yours. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, yeah, he's like, again, saying it like it is. And and Amelia says it. He's like, well, we usually don't celebrate my birthday uh, on the same day. And she's like, that's very strange. She's like, well... My dad died on my birthday and blah, blah, blah. And Amelia's like, well, Sam says things the way that they are. <laughs> right? And they're like, well, he's been out of school a week. Time to get back. And she's like, yeah, we, we have some things to figure out. out. Yeah. yeah, right? But the... Don't her that's problems a long week. seem so much smaller? It, is, oh, yeah. it did that feel that way. Week, <laughs> it feels like a year. Yeah. And like, I love the way that they represented things at the end because it just, it sends home the message about grief that I think is the proper one. Which is that Sam is with her. They're collecting worms in the garden. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you got quite a... That's a good a, one. You yeah. Got, you got quite a good number today or whatever. And they, she like protects Sam. She says, you're staying up here. Don't come down no matter what. Blah, blah, blah. She goes down and she feeds it. And it's really hard. It yeah, scares it's scary her, to her. Yeah. And all this stuff. But she's like, it's all right. It's all right. And she feeds it the worms. And to me, I'm like, okay. So that's the acknowledgement that like... You can't just say, no grief, you can't come in. You also can't say, grief, you got to get the hell out. You need to maybe let it come out to eat sometimes, figuratively speaking, in that some days you're going to feel your grief and you might have days where you're like, I have to take a mental health day. Or you might have days where it's really sitting heavy with you that maybe you should speak to somebody about. Mm -hmm. Not Claire. Mm -hmm. Not Claire. No, No. Claire. No, she doesn't want to hear it. She already told you that. She's like, it's seven years ago. Get over it. Yeah, get over the death get of Get over the husband. fact that you have no husband. That worm scene really threw me for a loop. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's like, oh no, it's still there. I just, I, did, I didn't know what was, what I was supposed to try take home from that part right? of it. That was just so strange. So my perception being, it's still there. Yeah. It's still it's scary. With you. But it's contained mm-hmm. and she can live with it. 
You know what I mean? She's figured out how to cope. Right. She does this, she and she like brings him into worms and it's fine. But I like that in that another in that other meeting with the social workers, her mm-hmm. problems are the same, but with the new kind of perspective that she's gained, yeah. she feels differently about it because it's like her kid is still out of school. He still had issues with that first school. Her her sister is still they're still alienated from each other. But she's able to be like, well, we sorted some things out. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And she's able to cope with her life. She's not thrown by the problems anymore. And the only thing that changed was her perspective. Exactly. And her relationship with her child. They're a team now. Yeah. Right? They are. That's so sad. And that's exactly what Sam needed. And I think like it just, just drives home some good messages too. I think a lot of us have the perception that feelings are good and bad. And they're not bad, mm-hmm. right? Like, anger isn't fun. Feeling sad isn't fun. Feeling depressed isn't fun. But they help us to process things the proper way. And if we went through a big loss of somebody we really loved and we didn't feel the sadness, we're not going to grieve properly, right? We're not going to take time for ourselves. We're not going to try to slow down. We're not going to find ways to honor that person in the same way. And we're also not going to find ways to reset our perspective and move forward properly, right? And so we see sadness as bad and we vilify them, right? And things that we look at as positive feelings, like feeling really energized, motivated. You're right, that there are some that are like, um, you can feel any feeling in a pathological way that's not helpful or is even harmful. Well, I'm thinking about like an instance of mania, which people often feel good when they're in it. And they'll tell you that. Right. That they're like, oh no, I feel great right now. But what's happening in their life is maybe they're gambling maybe mm. they're and that's really common or they're they're spending money frivolously or like putting their house up on the market or making mm-hmm. these like irresponsible decisions or smaller stuff too like maybe they just um like in the heat of the moment spoke harshly to a friend and kind of messed up their relationship with a friend yeah. like it can be smaller levels too but even when you're feeling good and to them, they feel, oh, I'm so motivated. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And they're very task-oriented. What's actually happening in their life and the effects that it has aren't positive. And that's why we don't, when someone has bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. you don't just treat the sadness, the depressive side. You treat the mania also. Right. Yeah. Well, and I can think of one example. Like, let's say I'm a student, right? And I have to sit at the carpet, Right. It's just that certain feelings are more helpful at certain times. So mm-hmm. it's not going to help me very much to learn if I'm 10 out of 10 excited and I'm mm-hmm. sitting at the carpet or if I'm 10 out of 10 even happy, right? Like it's probably a little too much, you know, because I'm not centered and I'm not calm enough to absorb what's being taught to me. Like there are just certain times for certain emotions that they're more helpful. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, that doesn't mean that feeling angry or feeling sad are bad because mm-hmm. they're important to have at the right times. If someone's beating me up taking my lunch money I want to start feeling angry or else I'm not going to do anything about it right so yeah I think we, we drove home the grief stuff pretty well so what do you think Steve did we talk about <laughs> I, I, I gotta say like from I'm also a, a big fan of the show as well I've listened to all the episodes that have been released we've got we um, don't have a gun to his head he said that organically oh so yeah those are unsolicited um <laughs> The, the mental health talk's really, really interesting because it's obviously not my field very far away right. from my everyday life, but listening to, especially you, Jenna, explain just a lot of the, like, the nursing side of it. Um, like, last time, the last one I was listening to, and you were talking about how a lot of people don't consider mental health, like, life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had never 
And like, it's a, you're like, you're talking to me in that and like, people mm-hmm. don't see it like this and people don't think of this. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, cause I, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're all guilty so, of it. Right? Yeah. So I just, it's really, really eye opening. even sitting here, listening to you two talk, we're very, very knowledgeable and well-spoken in your field. It's very, very interesting. And this, just the way it comes across and like, oh, okay, well, you know, I never thought of it that way. Or mm-hmm. maybe reach out this way or talk to this person or you never know what's for sure. You never know what's going on underneath the surface. And for sure. And I think with the grief thing, it's just to not beat yourself up about it, right? Like that yeah. you think like, I shouldn't still be feeling like this or yeah. I, I shouldn't, yeah. you know, it's like, that's the, maybe you shouldn't, but that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or like what should, who's deciding? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? That's like, yeah. True. Who's the omnipotent person who says, ah, you didn't. But I think yeah. we don't grieve too well in Western society all the time. And there's a lot of pressure to just get back to it. And to, to be productive. Yeah, it's a bit of the grind set culture. Oh, um, I've, <laughs> I've got, like, even, like, when I've been off work, like, with my child, there are days that I'm like, well, I didn't do this, this, this today. <laughs> and then I have to tell myself, like, who the fuck cares? Or if you tell your husband about that or your mom, they're like, like I, I remember when I was very heavily pregnant and I went off work like at the very end of my pregnancy, I, I told my husband one day, I was like, I nap today. He's like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> because like, Get I just don't girl. do that yeah. very often. So he's like, lazy he's like I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you. You're going to raise a lazy baby. I'm happy. Yeah. It's like, oh, don't be lazy. Laziness gets into the breast milk. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> Um, one reason to taint breast milk. <laughs> so sorry, Steve, we kept you a long time, but um, mm-hmm. maybe tell us a little bit about what the experience was like just in general. to go Of watching the scary movie. Watching the movie with us. And... Uh, well, it was, it was right from the get-go when you first asked me to do it. It was, I was, I was anxious and excited to do it. One, because like I said, the last scary movie I saw was Signs. <laughs> and for some that may not be a scary movie. It is movie. a horror movie and it is a good one. The, the, the scene where the alien walks past at yes. the first... Like, birthday, yeah, birthday party. I, I feel like a lot of people, and maybe not just been the only one, but maybe other people got over it a bit better. No, it's a scary It was fun. I definitely can see why people enjoy it. Like, mm-hmm. my, my heart was racing, my <laughs> adrenaline was up the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll maybe watch another one. I think you maybe, have to. You, you, you signed a contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, that's that's good to know. I, I think I think now I kind of want to watch one of your like '80s slasher campy. Oh, like, oh sure. Like, I, I, I want to see a campy one. Oh, they're so fun. Yeah, they're so fun. Maybe we should watch uh, um, Margot Kitty, the old one that happens at Christmas time. Oh, that one's pretty creepy. Black Christmas. Black Christmas. <laughs> but like, um, remember uh, Friday the Thirteenth one is a lot of fun too. Oh yeah, like it is. Original, like Kevin, like Kevin the first, Bacon. The first, the first Jason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first Jason movie um, but yeah we, we really appreciate you putting yourself through the it was great that. It was yeah thank you very much I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the experience do you want to sign us out yeah yeah, yeah. what's what's the sign up do we have to thank Patreon and no yeah. not, not yet not yet <laughs> where, where, where are you guys at we're not, we're not thinking any, thanking any sponsors or anything just the listeners well thank you very much for listening today and we'll see you next time Okay, yeah, take care, everybody. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. It was so funny. She was talking about, like, after we watched it. 
she was like re- when we were talking about it she was resisting being like what, what was your take on it that it had something to do with like German expressionism <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's like I don't want to sound like a huge douchebag <laughs> you'd be like actually and you know what don't bring your sister around anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry you're not welcome to my garage she's a snob douche again <laughs> and that's, German expression that's 100% it's probably from the um evolution of horror podcast that's right. not an organic thought to me that I'm like well I yeah she's not an expert in German expression Okay. Yeah.